Hello there, children. Hey, children. <laughs> that was right when I turned on the thing, too. Oh, we're on Hello now? there, children. Oh, yep, now it's flying through mine. There we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think I got my hello there, children, in after we started. Nope. It was literally the first thing everyone heard, I'm pretty sure. Beautiful. All right. That's good. I've got nice pandering t-shirt on for you. Oh, hold on. I, I, I Did you switch the... Uh, I don't think you... Oh. I just did. Oh, what? Uh, where can you buy that? Uh, I don't know. Some Rick's channel. <laughs> wow, thank you. All right. Uh, I'm going to start... Good to start recording. I'm going to press that button now that everyone's hearing the fun preamble. Oh, I can't hear you. I'm not even saying anything. That's probably okay. why. <laughs> I thought I saw your mouth moving. No, I was just licking the top of my lip, which is... That doesn't need to be narrated, but... Anything Anyways. tasty there? Like No, just you have any... human flesh, you know. Okay. Mm. Boomshire wants to see Ek. Uh, at some point, I'll get one going. You'll get an Ek going? Yeah. Everyone can see your Ek line? Yep. <laughs> okay, we just gotta start this damn thing. This is just no. It's a it. short book. It's not gonna be a long episode. So, anyways, to talk about. Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to another cozy episode of Tap Calf Transmissions, our <sighs> Star Wars Legends or Star Wars book podcast, where we go through and read as many books as possible. Uh, in the last few episodes, we have been talking about first Trusa Bakura, and then we went into the first four episodes or first four books of the X-Wing series by Michael Stackpole. Today we are going to be talking about Darth Plagueis, and joining me as always is my co-host, Mr. Eckhart Slatter. How is it going, Corey? Good. Uh, how's it going for you? Complain. Um, I guess we still are technically a Star Wars Legends only podcast because we haven't, we've not yet ventured into the realm of the new canon. Yeah, if we were better at planning this, we probably would have done an episode on the Thrawn books before Thrawn yeah, came or out. even Alphabet Squadron. Thrawn, did you read it yet? I haven't read the third one yet. No. Yeah. It's yeah. I, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it for you or anything. Yeah. Well, uh, very difficult. Well, <laughs> as I said, this is going to be about Darth Plagueis, one of the uh, last Legends novels to come out. Written by James Lucino, so I guess uh, we'll talk a little bit about him first, but then we'll go into uh, the book itself. But this is sort of a stopover episode between doing the first four books of X-Wing, and then we're going to go into the next sets afterwards. Do you want to talk about what's coming up a little bit first before we get right into it? And right, yeah. That's going to be on your channel for the next episode. Yeah, so as you guys know, we don't do this every week, we do this every two weeks. Um, next episode, we'll be doing Wraith Squadron, starting off a new sort of chapter. And we'll be, we will be joined by another Star Wars YouTube channel, Star Wars Explained, who I'm sure most of you guys know. He is a huge um, X-Wing and Wraith Squadron fan, so I think it's going to be a really fun episode. And I'm kind of pumped to get back in X-Wing because this book's like a little heavy in a way. It's like... It's definitely not a fun book in the same way that no. a lot of the X-Wing ones try to be. Yeah, um, it and it's like it's very character heavy. It's very like introspective almost. 
Um, not one dog fight. In Plagueis? Well, I think so. Well, they, they, there's, there's not some N ones are blowing up an asteroid, but there are some N ones that fly by. But there's more importantly, zero references to Corellians being lucky, even though there yes. is briefly a Corellian in the book. And there's mm-hmm. also no references. There's act. There are some references to water metaphors when they're in the opera yes. house. <laughs> they specifically say that it's like uh, this. That the opera was overflowing with water metaphors basically ha, ha, which ha. I, I overflowing with water metaphors ha, ha, ha. thing that i really like about this book though and is because i i read it and i get like 30 youtube videos out of it i'm like set for the yeah. next month <laughs> great book for us it's it really is a book that is very heavy on references to other parts of legends and yeah. a lot of that does come from james lucino being the author since he was brought into the Star Wars universe as an author uh, right before the Yuuzhan Vong War project started, where they kind of wanted to have a more coherent and consistent narrative going on. And at first, James Lucino was brought in as someone who had read all the Bantamera Star Wars books and was a fan of those. And he was sort of put in charge of uh, the overall narrative, writing the overarching storyline for the Yuuzhan Vong War before he went in and wrote some of the individual novels there. So yeah. James Asino was one of the what, better like, authors for that. Force, right? And then... Uh, and then J.O., I mean? He wrote one of the earlier ones. I think, like, oh, oh yeah, Agents of Chaos. I, I, yes. Oh, one or two, yeah. And... Because Agents of Chaos was only supposed to be one book at first, I think. And Dark yeah. Tide was supposed to be three, and then that got shifted around. But yeah. either way, that's kind of what James Lucino, Lucino is good for. Or that, mm-hmm. that sounds really rude. Uh, that is what his <laughs> All strong point. All you're good for, <laughs> I mean. That is what you can look for a lot in. You say he's got a pretty books. cozy niche there. Yeah, uh, very cozy niche. <laughs> it, it's great to um, to be able to have that kind of a cozy niche coming out of the back door in our last episode. But oh my god. Um, I, I actually tweeted about James Lucino because I reread the book not that long ago and I was asking because I wasn't as familiar with like his kind of the background that you just explained about how he was kind of like a, a legend scholar almost. And I tweeted at Pablo and I was like, so when an author this book, half of the conflicts, for example, we'll talk about Vidar Kim later. Um, that comes from another comic and you see like the Inchori crisis comes from, um, uh, that's from a comic, I think. Is it, is it from a, but like, yeah, it's from her. And then just like there's references to like how Dooku was part of the grand plan. And I recognize that one because that's, um, uh, I think it's called like, where it, it like time skips with masters and apprentices. Not important. But anyways, the point is he makes lots of references and kind of big plot points like that, but as we'll get to, even small plot points like referencing the uh, Bedlam Spirits, which are a pretty kind of obscure part of the lore. So I was curious whether like writing a book like this um, look to someone from the Lucasfilm writing staff or like one of the, the lore masters to help them with that, or do they just do it on their own? And the way Pablo responded is that it depends on the author 
But for Lucino, he's just basically like totally um, immerses himself in all the lore, all the the work, basically everything. Because this has references to video games, it has references to the Marvel comics, like the the old original Marvel comics. It's got references to um, role playing game adventures, uh, of course, other novels. He like th- this book came out at a good time in a way because it it kind of got to bring together a really kind of rich of material. But on the other hand, there wasn't a whole lot that he could build on with this book, you know, because we know how it ends. The book starts off um, with uh, Plagueis being killed and um, Palpatine kind of rejoicing in that. So it's kind of like, it's not quite a catch 22, but it's kind of like a a win-lose yeah, and this is something that you kind of touched on with uh, the Thrawn books, and I think a similar problem comes up with Darth Plagueis where uh, they can start in a fairly open place, or he can start with a fairly open place with this book, but because we do know exactly what it's working up to, and because there's so much that needs to be covered towards the end of what they're working up to, the last third of this book is kind of taking place simultaneously with uh, The Phantom Menace, and it's kind of a set of little vignettes where you just see what Plagueis was doing or what Palpatine was doing between the scenes in episode one. Uh, so it does feel like it starts off really strong, but I think towards the end of the book, it gets kind of locked into yeah. what it has to do. And it does suffer Great. a little bit for that. So the fact that it has so much for lore is good because the story yep. does suffer a bit from that. Yeah, so I, I tweeted about how I thought this was the best Legends book, and I, I, that is a bit of an exaggeration, but I do think the first third of this book, and maybe even the first two thirds, are like probably the best written mm-hmm. of any Star Wars Legends book, and they're so compelling because, like, know about Palpatine being you know a big higher up, but there's no other, there's not too many other material that are not too many other books that kind of explore. Um, how these like not quite enlightened beings, but how these super powerful sense, but in a political sense and in a money sense, like how they're operating throughout the galaxy, like you know all how they all interact with each other. You know, you get the Black Sun, you get the various federation, the other big corporations. Um, then you've got like how they interact with the Republic and stuff, and like the internal struggles of like the, the banking clan stuff, that stuff is all super, super cool. Um, sometimes you even lose a bit of nuance, especially I read it twice between this episode and the last one. And I noticed I picked up a lot more nuance on the second time, especially where there's kind of like big gaps in what happens and stuff happens between those gaps. And you only really realize, and we'll get into this more, but you only really realize if you're paying attention just to see like how a powerful being can go around um you know doing business and stuff which is kind of a you wouldn't think it'd be exciting but they do a really good job of it yeah it it's also a really dangerous thing to do for a book like he had to take on the pretty daunting task of doing a full backstory for both palpatine and almost set up the entire clone wars which could go very poorly but he did, especially in those parts of the book, a great job setting up uh, how Palpatine became who he was. Like with anything else where you're showing that much backstory, you get into mm-hmm. risking like 
ruining how people right. see whatever it was. And uh, because Palpatine's never been a character with nuance. Yeah. Um, and arguably, he doesn't in this book. It depends. This book just something kind of interesting at the end where Palpatine kind of renounces like public like he kind of says yeah i've been putting on a on a, an image but i'm not totally convinced and I've, i know i said we talked about this a few times this is just kind of our opening salvo thoughts on the book but yeah so is like it'd be very easy to introduce something about the character that breaks him the only case of this book doing so is is with maul like he he treats Maul differently than he's been treated, especially in canon. Yeah. I actually really like this interpretation of Maul, him just being Sith, but kind of more like a tool. Um, and I think canon and the Clone Wars, I guess more mo more new canon stuff has kind of taken that in a different direction. But uh, And they've changed things too. Like in canon, isn't Talzin technically Maul's mother? And then in this, she's just a... Uh, his mother is somebody else. Uh, I don't know about the new canon stuff as much. I haven't watched those episodes mm -hmm. of the Clone Wars where I think that gets set up mostly. Yeah. But that also counts for Legends anyways. But, uh, totally. Isn't, is this the first place that kind of pointed out that Maul wasn't really a Sith Lord in the actual succession of Rule of Two? Or had that been established before? I'm not sure, to be honest, because in like in the Phantom Menace, for example, and everything that went off the Phantom Menace, the Jedi assume that he is, and maybe maybe George Lucas even intended for him to be. I don't know. Um, so this would have been, I think, one of the first that kind of uh, dove into that aspect. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, probably. Spoiler, well, jumping right to the end of the book there, but Plagueis dies around the same moment that Maul gets sliced in half, and even though he's not dead, that kind of ends his apprenticeship with with Sidious, who doesn't really even yeah. know he's alive. So there was never really a point where Maul was a legitimate apprentice. He was just secret potential yeah. apprentice. Maul was kind of a mishandled character in Legends too. Brought him back, but he never got a definitive end like he did in canon. Um, like there was the story that the um, old wounds that wasn't actually technically part of the Legends continuity, kind of adapted into the canon Rebels episode. But like. I don't think Maul ever really got a fitting end. And at one point, he's resurrected to fight Vader. Kind of a strange little... Um, yeah. Kind of a strange little... This book has an interesting... Kind of the rule of two is sort of a... Even though at the beginning, Plagueis basically says that he's moved on from the rule of two, first because he wants to kind of be a sole ruler, then later because he wants him and Palpatine to rule together... But a lot of the book is kind of about the Sith fighting their kind of baser instincts almost at this point to like revert to the rule of two. In that kind of master's dynamic, um, Palpatine, according to him, at least he never sort of gives up the idea that he's going to 
um, kill his master. And then you have them each kind of looking at new apprentices, whether it's Dooku or Maul. Even Venomous is looking for apprentices at one point, it says. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an interesting take on like the Sith and their baser instincts. Well, and at, uh, we'll... at some point early on in the book, even uh, Plagueis is talking about how they're not the only dark side practitioners or even necessarily the only Sith, just the only Darth Bane descended rule of two Sith. So I guess that. Uh, I kind of chuckled when I read Sith, that. But... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me, that was kind of like a bit of a, like a recognition. Um, Legends threw a lot of dark side users like into a pretty yeah. small time period. Well, it's interesting. You have the though. tribe of the Sith who's alive the entire time. Yeah, so. and there's like tens of thousands of them apparently. Um, the uh, the Tenebrous Way. Uh, I haven't read it. So it's like it was like a short story in Star Wars Insider One Thirty. Um, I had a copy of it actually, so I, I read it before this. And it kind of how I guess it's kind of an interesting place to start off before we go into the actual plot of the book. Um, I can give just a basic. Um, so for those who don't know, Tenebris is um, Plagueis's master. He's a Bith. Uh, Bith are like an incredible. The other guys that play the instruments in the uh, cantina, incredibly intelligent species, and. Uh, the Tenebrous Way basically explains, because one of the first things that happens in the book is that Plagueis kills Tenebrous, and the Tenebrous Way explains that Tenebrous had kind of foreseen the rise of a kind of great shadow power, um, kind of like something to end the conflict between the Sith and the Jedi. He calls it the One Sith, interestingly, which is Sith group later on, but then he kind of sees that as Palpatine he changed some of his midi-chlorians into maxi-chlorians. <laughs> I'm not joking. And uh, after he dies, he basically throws his maxi-chlorians inside Plagueis's, like mouth. Um, uh, I knew this was like had a lot of daddy t- issues, but this is taking it to a whole new direction. Yeah. And then he slowly starts to... Uh, then he, he like can kind of see the future, and he realizes that Plagueis is going to be killed by Palpatine. So he shoots his maxi-chlorians back out into space and then in a uh, a perpetual loop of him dying. And it's really weird. It's a super quick read, but I don't know if it's supposed to be completely canon, but most things in the Star Wars Insider were, so. All right. Well, that's something I was unaware of. But thank you for enlightening me on the maxi-chlorians in Plagueis' mouth. Yeah, that there's, and that, that how wasn't. You, how do you not take it that way? Like, I. Uh, yeah, it was it was strange. I do like the idea of Bith science. Um, it's kind of cool, but to the proper um, a proper breakdown of what happens and discussion. Yeah, so I guess we start off with uh, Tenebris and Plagueis on that was about Demnick, right? The. Yeah. Or no, a another planet may have been, but Is it Baldemnik they're first on. I can't remember if it was Baldemnik that had the Cortosis or, or if it was another planet they were at before that they were there. But either way, they were looking for Cortosis or. They had been given some information on 
uh, where to get it. And cortosis ore is important because it can it's uh, a material that can resist lightsabers. What they actually planned to do with it was not super. I, I think it would, had something to do with the army that Plagueis wanted to build later. But, yeah. Uh, I don't know that it's ever explicitly stated that that's what they were doing it for, because uh, Tenebris isn't uh, yeah. ever super connected to that. He was more into uh, being the Dark Lord of the Bith Science. <laughs> and, Dark Lord of the Bith Science. And Plagueis and uh, Tenebris realize that they've been kind of sent into a bad situation that will result in their explosions if they stayed there. <laughs> so as they're running out away from the explosion, uh, some rocks start to fall, and Plaggy sees his opportunity to kill Tenebris. Mm. Which... Yeah, he basically yeets some rocks on top of him. Yeah, he... Tenebris is trying to hold some up, and Plaggy's is going to, like, help him, but instead of, you know, lifting the rocks, he instead... Brushes him with the rocks. And I'm not a team player really in notice. that moment. <laughs> no. Uh, is it just me that got the impression of Tenebris of being in, extremely incompetent in this book? No, I, I think the book kind of is meant to seem that way because he, uh, like, he doesn't recognize Plagueis' power. Mm-hmm. But and then, not to go back to the, the Tenebris way too much, but in that it talks about how aspects of Plagueis' life probably is the fact that he is wanting to beat death, but I think it's clear that he, it's more than just that. I think he has a fear of death. Mm-hmm. And Tenebrous White talks about the fact that he um, brought that on on purpose and for a bunch of convoluted reasons. But yeah, it does seem pretty clear that he didn't have a full grasp on being a good master. Like he He's kind of into, like, fatalism almost. Yeah. Um, well, one of the, I guess, themes of the book is how the Sith Lords, no matter how strong or experienced they get, they end up fixating on whatever their one thing is. Right. And for Tenebris, yeah. that becomes the science, and it blinds him to what uh, Plagueis is doing. And for Plagueis, it becomes mm-hmm. his life science, or his midichlorian science, which kind of blinds him to what Sidious is doing. And for Sidious... I guess it's ruling everything and also living forever, and that blinds him to a large shaft next to him. Uh, Classic. But irony too, because even um, Plagueis, I think right after he kills uh, Tenebris, he he talks about how um, just that, and then later he says, like many Sith of the Bane lineage have put the kind of grand plan back because of their individual. I think he calls them like foibles and. Um, yeah. Like, like, like eccentricity is so like kind of the exact same thing where he becomes obsessed with prolonging his life indefinitely and not just like Plagueis is he doesn't want to just be able to transfer his essence to another body or whatever else he wants to live in his body forever um, basically so he kills Tenebris and the very first thing he does is kind of Florians um, die out. Yeah, does it, that it's kind of super creepy what he does. It's like it's almost like Dexter in a way. Yeah, yeah. Because Dexter gets obsessed with all the blood, and then just with Plagueis, it's all 
midi-chlorians. Yeah, he's like standing over the body, sniffing it for like an hour. Yeah. He had no plan to get <laughs> off the planet, which was no. great. So he smuggles himself out. And really, yeah. it just seems like a really poorly planned, opportunistic yeah. way to kill Tenebris. He didn't seem to really know what he was going to do, just no. that he took the opportunity to do it. I do really like the scene. Um, so right after he escapes from the little cave they're in on uh, Baldemnik, which is kind of described as like a, almost like a paradise planet in a way. He basically is just running. He runs until he gets to like the spaceport for a couple of days. <laughs> it describes him like running through fields and like eating animals and stuff. And at one point, one of the local species um, comes out and sees him. He's like out to take a. He says he's like out to take a leak or something, basically, yeah. like butt naked. And he sees like a, just a flash in a cloak running through. It kind of made me think like that's how she's would have like had, you know, or whatever else legends. I see like some crazy immune Sith Lord running <laughs> flash speed through the fields. <laughs> ends up in a Sith holocron somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so he gets to the space fort after uh, going through the plot of Forrest Gump on his own, apparently. <laughs> And he just decides to stow away on a ship. And yeah. initially he wants to convince them to just take him to Middle East, drop him off, and hide mm-hmm. to their freezer. But they don't they don't react well to that. Uh, so you get a... Great cash money. Yeah, you get like a chapter and a half of being introduced to this crew of people. It's like, oh, are yeah. they going to show up in their own plots for this book? Nope, dead. Yeah, because it reminded me of, um, I think it's, I think it's Outbound Flight. Thrawn is kind of introduced to a crew like that, but like they kind of figure into the rest of the book. And I was like, I was rereading this again. I was like, are these people in this book for like an extended period of time? Because like you said, it spends an hour and a half and it's like Plagueis ripped their head off. (laughs) Yeah, you learn so many of the individual traits of this ship. You learn how their command structure works. They're a democratic uh, raider. Uh, Captain is like pretty... Was trying to pick somebody up at the bar the other night. Yeah. And then Plagueis just starts slicing him up. And he seemed to have not wanted to do it. He would have preferred to just get dropped off and there you go, pay him some money. But he does get a droid out of it, who is possibly the The best droid ever. Yeah. 114D. Yeah. He's the, uh, he's the oral of this, uh, of this series. Yeah. Except not quite, I don't know. I think oral's a little cooler, but. Well, no one's as cool as Oral, but he's like the the sidekick who's I don't actually better than everyone in the book. One one four D trying to help Plagueis get laid, not once. I don't know if was Plagueis interested in getting laid ever. Is that something that comes up in the book? There was a part where it talks about how there was talk among his people because he'd never taken a wife, and I thought it was going to be like I thought he was going to say people there were whispers because I was so old, but I'm not taking on a wife. I thought they were going to say that people thought he was gay. But they're like that. I was married to my work. I was like, oh well. But like all immunes are like that. But most of them still manage to like sp- spread the lineage. <laughs> but <laughs> hey, baby, want to spread the lineage? Palpatine yeah. has a lot of uh, allusions to being kind of a womanizer. Yeah, and. Then is it the Umbaran senator or something that he 
Sly ends up with? Yeah. Sly Moore, yeah. Jedi um, Prince Ken. Because I have a whole... Oh I, I, yeah, we have, <laughs> we have that for a future discussion, apparently. There's one part where um, he's with... Um, what's his name? Um, Sate Kinman? No, um, Vidar Kim. And after Kim's family dies, and he's like... Uh, Ronhar is the only way to pass on my lineage as you will someday with your children. I was like, oh my god. He knows about the Jedi Prince Kin. <laughs> that was so weird. Dude. That's just so creepy. His first thought there when his family dies, like my lineage. Yeah. Gotta retrieve my Jedi son. And spread the seed. <laughs> like <laughs> call yeah, recall my child. <laughs> like Men, men, men stay fertile basically until they die, so he could have figured something else out. Just saying. He could have been the one to make the Naboo uh, yeah. monarchy uh, follow his lineage. Right. Missed opportunity. Opportunity. Um, one thing I like about the Wobegon, well, one thing I thought was, I was taken aback by is they say the word dumbass. Thanks. On the Wobegon? Is that like the most isn't that the most intense swear they're allowed to use in Star Wars? I don't think it's Well sometimes they use the word bastard or sometimes they use the word hell, but it's very rare and it's usually an older material. Mm -hmm. Most Star Wars books by that era were substituting their own words in Criffing and uh Carablast now. Yeah. Emperor's black bones. Yeah, so I I was just like a little surprised. Um, that's like I was reading. I think it was Alphabet Squadron the other day, and they said the showers in the bathroom, and I almost like got sick. I was like, "You mean the Santa steams in the refresher? Like, what is wrong with you?" <laughs> Language police here. Come on. Yeah. Um, but. With the Wobegon, we also get our first bit of like, I guess it's like fatalism or determinism where there's kind of like this whole discussion throughout the entire book of like to what degree the force and the universe is guiding the actions of the Sith. The Sith are making their own destiny because um, Tenebris basically believes that, yeah, you can't alter the force. Like we'll assume the mantle when we get the chance. Um we can't do anything to speed it up. And then at one point, Plagueis, when looking at the, like after he slaughters the crew of the Wobegon, are dead. Like, like according to, um, they would have been dead since the moment he gazed upon the freighter. Like that was basically set in stone. Um, of a, a topic that, yeah. you know, makes its way throughout the whole book. Well, Tenebra sees it as like the will of the Force, and a lot of the Jedi see it that way. But for Plague, he's when he ever, whenever he talks about that kind of stuff, if he talks mm-hmm. about fate, he's basically using fate as a substitute for his will. So they were predetermined to uh, die ever since he laid his eyes on him, but because he was the one that put himself there, and he's not really ever yeah. subject to fate. He sometimes gets like rebuked by the force later on in the book, especially, but 
Yeah. He seems to put himself above anything else that he thinks applies to anyone else. Yeah, and it does seem like it's like, I mean, obviously it's, it's partially a philosophical question, but yeah, it does seem like there is some sort of, whether it's free will or not, I guess it doesn't matter, but clearly you can act outside what the Force plans because later on, it, you know, they do get kind of chastised by the Force with the creation of Anakin and also all of his... um subjects yeah so we get him appropriating uh 114d on the ship mm. he flies himself to mutalinst and that's where we find out his alter ego he go damask uh, right where he is the head of damask holdings which he inherited from his father which is one of the mm-hmm. more powerful uh families on Mutalinst and I guess are they technically within the IGBC or is they are they'd be associated um, with the IGBC, not really part it, of it. It's kind of weird because at the beginning of the book, like the the uh Damask Holdings, it seems like a pretty well known company. And it almost seems like they're kind of like a shadow organization. Like he kind of formally dissolves it and but I I, I kind of got the feeling that kind of work together. Um goal so i don't think they were technically part of the banking clan but i do feel like they were yeah Why? it seems almost like the banking clan was more of a trade federation situation made up of smaller yeah. groups yeah including damask holdings yeah because it was uh, uh son hill was or larsh hill was yeah. his kind of second in command and then he and son hill ends right up oh yeah that's a good point and yeah. uh or chairman of the IGBC. And right. I guess Sonhill would be Larsh's son? Son, yeah. At, f- at first I thought the Tonith that they mentioned was Pors Tonith, but he very specifically doesn't use a first name, Pors Tonith being one of the uh, admirals in the CIS. Well, yeah. But it's a different Tonith. Yeah, it's kind of weird because like it's I found it a bit difficult to find the follow the chronology of this book or just like to remember how far away we were from main events because what like when's the first period is it like 68 years before i think it's 76 to 74 right so palpatine spends like 20 years in the senate i think before becoming chancellor and then there's one point it's hard to remember whether like this is a character that you know, or like a relative of the character. Like they have a Tarkin. I was yeah. like, is that? I couldn't remember if that was. Well, um, they had Randolph Tar- earlier on, and then at the end of the book, you have Willow. So actual like, Tarkin. Yeah, um, and I, I couldn't remember if that was his father, but I think they're just cousins or something. Yeah, part one is sixty-seven to sixty-five, and that ends with finding Palpatine. So BBY. Uh, then the next one is fifty-six to fifty-four, like page one eight something yeah 54 mm-hmm. 52 and the last section which is the longest one is uh 34 30, 32 yeah. so ending basically with the phantom menace it's kind of interesting how these like time periods are used because you see them set up plans like a good example would be the the um and it doesn't give you an explicit conclusion of what happened but by the time you jump forward to the next sort of time period, you've seen the results of their plans. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
they set up just enough that even though you are taking that 10 and then 20 year gap, you still kind of get an idea of what they were up to and it doesn't feel like they've done nothing in that time. Uh, just that you have the main ideas and you know that they're developing relationships is a lot of what they're mm. doing. Uh, and then you kind of get all those years for Garjula and Jabba to do whatever they've yeah. got to do. And, uh, That's a really good example because you kind of see it from the very beginning, like until the conflict, you don't see how it ends up. Yeah. Where Gardula wants to take control of Tatooine. And then later on, it's like, oh, Gardula and Jabba are fighting over Tatooine. And then after that, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to finish taking over Tatooine from Gardula mm-hmm. or Jabba, who can speak basic, as we were all, I'm sure, very aware of. And yes, I, I, I was not surprised by that at all. <laughs> what does that sound it's like? like? In, uh, it's like in, and I think. Um, Last Command or Book Two, there's a uh, a Wookiee who can speak basic because he has like throat cancer or some shit. <laughs> hmm. I don't remember what happens, but there's a Wookiee that can speak basic, and in the audiobook, it's terrible because it like they make uh, it takes like ten minutes to get through a single line because they're trying to make a sound like a Wookiee speaking basic. It's awful. <laughs> I guess it, it makes sense as long as they can make the sounds, and Jabba can clearly understand basic. Mm-hmm. It's like a power thing. He doesn't want to have to like if he can get the drill. Like yeah, he respects Damask, and Damask is a big pimp. So you don't want to like yeah the the latter day Sith are pretty high profile in the galaxy. Like Palpatine, obviously becoming mm-hmm. Supreme Chancellor. He go to Mask being head of all finance in the galaxy almost, <laughs> and yeah. being a Sith Lord, and even. Uh, Tenebris, as you just known, was a starship manufacturer designer, so he had at least some level of high profile. Yeah. I mean, at the very end, someone mentions Tenebris's name, and they're like, oh yeah, I remember him. Yeah, and like he basically buys Plagueis from his parents. Like he sets them up, makes them yeah. have Plagueis, and then takes Plagueis. So he's he had done... some kind of real-world political pull other than just being evil McSith Lord. Yeah. Um, and that's the part that, that's the coolest, I think. Because um, you see the grand plan being kind of put forward, but especially with the earlier Damask chapters, there's a lot of, like, just kind of day-to-day stuff. Like, there's that one chapter where, like, Bart to pick up a new set of light bulbs for his... Uh, genetic rape cave in the basement of his secret island and stuff <laughs> uh all the uh listening to people's complaints and meetings those were fun but then I, uh, the hr complaints yeah <laughs> then we get uh i guess with the meetings the one thing i do want to talk about is the thing with gardula wanting to get off of Nalhutta and right. get tatooine with uh, with Plagueis' support, but in return for this, Plagueis wants her to basically grant Narshada to control of uh, the Doug family. Yeah, uh, Boss Cabra. Boss Cabra, right? And which is currently under the control of the Black Sun somehow, but Narshada, like, you want to leave Nalhutta, like... but you have to give control of the moon. Yeah, 
it seems like that would be where the huts have the most control and she would have yeah, i kind of feel i kind of felt like i don't know if they wanted to give the planet to boss cover or like i, I kind of just felt like well not Plaggy's wanted the planet, but like basically they just wanted control to control all the to let him operate there yeah but if gardula is trying to get away from the other uh hut clans then how is her influence going to stretch that far into yeah, the that's yeah. space? That's a great point. But uh, right after that, I guess, is when he's out for a stroll and gets attacked by Darth Venomous, who he assumes well, should we is a clone. Should we explain the, uh, the kind of meeting he has on Sojourn? Uh, sure. That's what leads to that, right? So, Plagueis... Basically, there's a lot of like throughout this book, there's a lot of references to like everyone thinks that the Sith have been, you know, dead for a long time. And there's various people, um, you know, they learn that the Sith have returned or that are still alive and they have various like levels of knowledge about them. But they've kind of managed to wriggle their way like into kind of popular culture or like, you know, like their iconography, for example. Uh, can be found everywhere, like in architecture or whatever else. So one of the ways this happens is of Higo de Mosque or Plagueis' grand plan is the fact that he wants to sow as much kind of, um, I would say has two aspects. One is to kill all the Jedi uh, and kind of reestablish Sith rule. And the other, not necessarily, um, I guess this wouldn't have to happen, but or at least the kind of reformation of the Republic into something led by the Sith. So a lot of what Damask is trying to do throughout this book is set up little conflicts, um, making allies who will cause trouble. And one of the ways they kind of talk about doing this is at a big event he has every year, at least at the the beginning of every year, Sojourn, which is kind of like, um, I forget what it's called, but there's, to in the real world basically camps where lots of really rich and powerful people meet like former presidents and stuff this is basically the star wars version of that so they all come to this planet they do rituals and stuff and they kind of decide from behind the scenes how uh how the galaxy will be run um and throughout there there's lots of like sith rituals thrown in that no one else really realizes but Plagueis mentioned um, and at one of these retreats where they do stuff like hunting and they live in they live in like really basic cabins, like in caves basically, just to form like a sense of camaraderie. Uh, he's attacked by Venomous, who is another Bith. A Bith Sith. Another Bith Lord? Yeah, Bith Lord. So uh Plagueis at first thinks Venomous or Venomous, which I've always I, gone with I, I Venomous, Venomous just because but... it like Flaggies, yeah. Tyrannus, Maul. I, I base everything based off how the audiobook says it. Okay. So. Well, that's probably I don't correct. think for I just, myself. I don't listen to any of the words, so I just read them. But Venomous, then uh, Venomous attacks him, and Plagueis thinks he is a clone of Bith. Of, of right. a clone of Tenebris using his Bith science, but it turns out he is just a regular old run of the mill Bith, potentially, mm-hmm. actually. 
who was yeah. trained up as a potential replacement for Plaggies, or a potential test for Plaggies. Right. Plaggies kind of wipes the floor with him, and then... Yeah. Not at first, but... Like he, After he I, realizes I think it's like, what's going on. <laughs> okay, this guy's not a total joke, and then he just kicks his butt. Yeah, and... Uh, he, he, he daddies him, and he's like, eat this plant. <laughs> but I don't want to. He's like, buddy, I don't care. Eat it. <laughs> so he's more daddy issues for everyone. As soon yeah. as he says that Tenebris is dead, he's like, "Can you be my master now?" Yeah. <laughs> like, no, something much worse is going to happen. <laughs> You're going to go live in a vat, buddy. For like I'm forty kill years. You so many times. But before, uh, or I guess after. Uh, Venus gets put into permanent coma so that Plagueis can do all of his midichlorian experiments on him. He's basically the uh, patient zero for all of Plagueis' midichlorian uh, experiments. He finds a list in Venus's logs of potential force sensitives that he can track down to be his own apprentice. Mm. And so there's like two or three chapters of him chasing down these people and uh yeah weird little side adventures yeah there there's like the force sensitive gambler who's a shapeshifter turns out to be a yeah, shapeshifter yeah. uh then we get the nautilin which is what kid Fisto species is where i didn't realize that <laughs> uh yeah so just basically picture the half-naked kid Fisto from the original clone wars cartoon uh and that's what's going on for most of this point also a picture of fully naked Plagueis at one point, because he goes for a little dip, doesn't he? When he's waiting for him? Well, no, at one point he swims somewhere, and he says he strips naked. And I was just like... Ooh, that sounds wrinkly. Okay, I, I don't want to be explicit, but just imagine what Mune look like. They're like long people, so... <laughs> They're long people? Yeah. So... Mm, thanks. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> well, we also get introduced to the uh, to the humanoid raising instead of humanoid because that's who Oh yeah, which comes right. Up a few yeah, times, I thought that was which is interesting because Plagueis is basically raising the most humanocentric or the leader of the most humanocentric faction in history. Yeah, uh, so good on that. Yeah, yeah, I always. I gotta get a chuckle when he says, I'm a good mune or something. Or like, I just need a good mune in my life. <laughs> they really skipped over the pages where he's doing, uh, like on his Star Wars Tinder profile, swiping through the pages. <laughs> yeah, it's a shirtless picture. Oh, that's what <laughs> reminded me too. At one point, it talks about how, um, how Tenebris and Plagueis are both in excellent shape. I just imagine like a like a scene of them like doing P90X together or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is very important to the Sith. <laughs> Welcome to the Order of the Sith Lord, sponsored by Beachbody on Demand. Listen to Tony <laughs> Horton. He's cut. very powerful. <laughs> <laughs> that checkout code Darth Bane is awesome. <laughs> Oh man, the Sith get a profit. You get a great beach body on demand. <laughs> Every bottle of Shakeology supports the grand plan. 
get wrinkles and jaundiced eyes like ours in 30 days or your money back. Oh, man, that's funny. Um, it is. They do always. They're always describing like Plagueis is very like almost translucent. Like you can see like his heart's yeah. beating and stuff. That just gets worse over the course of. Yeah, he just like shrivels up, and he's like probably pushing two hundred by towards yeah. the end of the book too. Yeah, he's actually. I don't think he's quite that old because no, well, towards the end of the book, yeah, he'd be about one hundred seventy maybe. Yeah, cause... because when he meets. When he meets Palpatine, he says, well over 100 human years, I think. Yeah, because he, uh, he's apprenticed to Tenebris pretty early. Uh, not super yeah. early, but fairly early. And he talks it's about 15, how uh, it had been almost 100 years that he had been apprenticed to Tenebris. Oh, okay. Or he talked about at least, he mentioned it being 100 years before that Tenebris had been uh, working with his own master, who was a Twi'lek. Right. I don't know how... Do Twi'leks live that long? Well, it doesn't really say how long uh, that Tenebris was with the Twi'lek, just that it has to be... Oh. Like, the maximum that he'd been with Tenebris was 100 years. And yeah, and I think at, at the beginning of the book, too, it, it mentions that they had been together for longer than most humans would live. Yeah, so. which, based on our discussions in the first few episodes... At least 500 years from old. from 50 to 7,000. Yoda's actually a human. That is just what people look like when they're 900 years old. There are a lot of long-lived species in this book because hunts, um, like Jabba and um, Plagueis, are kind of described as having quite a history together. Yeah. And then Tenebris, or sorry, uh, Plagueis also has a whole. So he's got like this island, which I really like the description of. I thought it was really cool. But uh, he's I forget if he says he's got a an a art. Or a science wing dedicated to long-lived species. I think he says huts, toydarians, and but yeah. Uh, so, anything worth saying about the four senses of gambler? I no, think. I mean, I, I feel like Shiadu is a pull from an RPG story, like the whole Shiadu race, but I'm not yeah. sure. Um, oh, they do mention the um, Wheel, which is a game. There's also a space station called the Jubilee Wheel, and I thought that was pretty mm. cool. Matter was named after the former, like the space station's named after the... It's kind of like a roulette game, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh... I also think... I, I'm pretty sure there's a section in one of the books, too, that deals with how casinos handle Force-sensitive people, which... Well, for this one, they basically just say, we just assume that all the Force-sensitives are with the Jedi, and then... uh, Hope for the best. (laughs) Yeah. But we get uh, that one, then we get the Nautilin, who is the one that was being protected, or uh, in prison near Bedlam. Or on the planet right. of Bedlam, which is near the By rift the pulsar, of the Bedlam yeah. space, that other yeah. trans-dimensional beings. Uh, yeah, they just throw them. They just mention that yeah. rift. Oh, believed to be the playground of trans-dimensional beings. Like, like you think about spending any time there, Plagueis? Like, <laughs> <laughs> might be some science over there. Nothing to be learned here. 
But do those like, do the bedlam spirits have midichlorians? Because otherwise, who gives a fuck? Yeah, or maxichlorians, even better. They are, I believe, is the uh, correct term for them. <laughs> um, uh, was there one after the? Yeah, the Achori. Right. Or the uh, Iktachi, I mean, sorry. The Doom and Gloom Lady. Yeah, who gives a very, very um, accurate reading of the future. Is that so Basically says exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, she would have been more interesting to spend more time with, but nope. I also find it funny, too, how at one point Palpatine says something about like how he hadn't met any Force-sensitive beings who weren't like or whatever, but like this whole book is basically just like force sensitive beings, or like there's a ton of time where Plagueis will like, yeah, got a bit of the force in him. Like the captain on the freighter, I think, meh, bit of the force in her. Yeah, uh, well, I guess it makes sense with Plagueis being so focused on midichlorians that like everyone has some sort of potential, yeah, or strength midichlorians, and you get mm. all this stuff with the Incori where it makes a shield, but yeah. uh. This was probably one of the weirdest sequences in the book for me, which, especially now that we've spent so much time on it. Uh, yeah. It, but... It's like a... It, it could have been cut, almost yeah. totally. Because this is after you know... Or after they talk about uh, the plasma being on Naboo. So we already know he's right. going to go to Naboo. And we already know that Palpatine is going to be his uh, apprentice. So we already know who it is and how it is and why it is. But then we just have this side quest of people, none of whom end up mattering. Uh, so even just having this happen before we hear about where we're ultimately going to go and care about would have improved it. But it just the whole time was like, okay, can we just go to Naboo now? Yeah, or even if if, if the other like the gambler is boring, um, the the fish is boring. If they had made everyone is interesting as the Itachi, yeah. then it would have been fine. Interested in what the, Nautilin, the point of the Nautilin was basically just like, show what a dark sider looks like who can't be a Sith, you just yeah. little Jedi. Or... Yeah. I guess interacting with Jedi, I guess. But I really, if you want to do that, I feel like you could get more of that when ex with an exploration of how they portrayed Maul in the book. And just put yeah. that time towards him. But... It's kind of weird what they do with Maul because a lot of it they like set Maul up and, and it doesn't say this, but it's basically like you can read his books and stuff if you want to figure out what happens. Yeah. But his like missions and stuff is stuff that happens in like other novels. Yeah, you there should have this book would really benefit from having a bunch of like footnotes of yes. for more on see this. Because that's basically yes. what the book is for. Palpatine is, in fact, being a little baby here. Yep. Palpatine. <laughs> um, so let's let's move on to that. And the way that it's so it's kind of a, it's not super convoluted, I guess. How basically, as we mentioned at the beginning, explicitly say this, but when they're mining the cortosis, um, it, it ends up being that they were given information that I guess was actually meant to hurt them because there was this kind of gas there and they tracked down the people who gave this information at one of uh, the sojourn meetups they tell them okay don't kill us please here is some information 
there's a big source of plasma, which they can use as energy on Naboo. And at this point, it's not the Naboo we see in episode one, even. It's like Naboo is totally backwater at this point. They're like nearly isolationist. They've got no big spaceport. Additional, they don't even allow speeders on the street. Um, so yeah. There, there's also an election, or at some point there's an election going on. And there's an unnamed monarch who's been ruling for some time. Nationalist monarch. And they're facing off against King Tapolo, I think, at this point. And Palpatine is... The whole Palpatine family isn't right now, but they're sort of royals. Like, they're associated with the monarchy. Um, they're so, like a major house of the Naboo Game of Thrones. Yeah, like, I feel like they've, there's probably been Palpatine monarchs in the past. Yeah. Palpatine... Isn't a traditionalist, though, unsurprisingly. He wants kind of Naboo to join the greater galactic community. So he's feeding information, scandal and stuff about what's going on to this current faction over to um, the other side, basically. And that's how Plagueis and Palpatine meet for the first time. Because the uh, Damask Holding is supporting... Uh, it, it's all, it all gets very complicated when the because the comes in stuff and there's deals to basically they want to modernize Naboo so they can get the um, build a new spaceport build all the mining stuff export all the um, and yeah there's like kickbacks it, it's very complicated but yeah so Plagueis uh, gets introduced to Palpatine he like goes looking throughout campus for him so yeah. just picture if you've if you are in university or have gone to university or even just uh, in whatever level One of school you're at, tall boy comes up to you. <laughs> this, yeah, this strange old man <laughs> walks in and looks for a specific student who has never met him. This is entirely inappropriate behavior, and there should be a review of school policy going on. Uh, but because real of his tall own... Dude. <laughs> because of his own daddy issues, Palpatine like immediately latches on to Higo, uh, because he doesn't know he's a Sith Lord yet. But just like immediate benefactor, he's like eighteen too, so he's yeah, he, yeah, because he's like I think he's actually seventeen. Because when Plagueis leaves for the first day, he basically is like getting texts from like Palpatine, like "Miss you," like "What's up?" "Hey." Hey with two Ys. Hey with call three me my Ys. Number. Hey, you want to kill your family for me? It'll be great. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so as you said, a lot of lot of daddy issues in this book too, because Plagueis has some as well. Daddy Tenebris, then his daddy. Like I thought of it first during one of his many uh, sad thoughts about Tenebris and how he wasn't good <laughs> enough for him and just wants his approval. And then he talks about his actual dad. It's like, oh. This is literally everything with that. And then with Palpatine, when he eventually does murder his parents after uh, his dad is basically saying, we don't want you talking to that Mr. Damask anymore. Uh, <laughs> and he slaughters his entire family with his bare hands. Yeah. It, it's very Palpatine-esque too, because like the way they describe it, like he's got his like claws out and stuff, like scratching and like throwing force lightning and stuff. 
And his dad is basically like, I should have killed you when you were a child, but you were too damn strong. <laughs> I, I actually really like that bit. I'm doing a video on it about how Palpatine's birth was like probably side reaction to like the light being way too uh, prominent. Mm. It, it It's like, even though, so like the very first time Palpatine gets angry, like really angry, um, even before he's discussed like the force or anything, he's just like fuming, just real pissed walking around on a pathway and just like there's wind blowing. Like there's like, creatures scurrying like into their holes and stuff like yeah. the grass is like blowing around and, and Plagueis is like holy shit I can make storms too <laughs> but he says like this creature must have been like birthed from the force like not from flesh yeah. and blood and, and then later on um, when Palpatine is having a little fit with his dad because he's not letting him go out and see his friends um is like you were unnaturally strong when I tried to swaddle you, and and I didn't believe that you were mine, so I had you tested. Not a nice thing to say. Yeah, I should have had him tested for the force. Yeah. Then he and then uh, and then he gets bulkheaded. He throws him into the ship, and like at this point, so the whole fight they have is pretty damn dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, and he even like slaughters all the guards too afterwards. His mom his... hears him hit the bulkhead. Like, what's going on in there, honey? Oh, nothing. Reminded me of my mom. Slaughtering, <laughs> slaughtering everyone. Don't worry. Be fighting over something stupid. My mom would be like from the kitchen, what are you guys fighting about? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't let him, wouldn't let him swaddle me. <laughs> After he kills everyone, he calls Plaguey's, and Plaguey's like, ah, don't worry. My guys will take care of it. Just, you're going to yeah. show back up on the planet. Your family's gone. No one's going to ask any questions. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then he kind of like... Uh, he does like some red pill pickup tactics by not calling him for a week and showing up like way later than he said he would. Yeah, he lures him into becoming uh, his apprentice and then that's sort of like the end of this section. Where, huh, I have you now, and I'm going to just be a dick to you now. You're, you've fallen into my trap, and there's no escape. Yeah. The way he talks about young Palpatine is very similar. Have you read the episode three novelization? Yeah. How Palpatine talks about Anakin? Like, it's almost like, it's almost like a grooming, like... Yeah, that's basically all it is with all the Sith, where he does the same yeah. thing with... Uh, they kind of treat Duke. Both of them are doing the same with Dooku, actually. Plagueis and Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't really bother with Molly. Um, no, because Molly just straight up steals and locks on. Yeah. Then he does a bit with Anakin while Obi Wan's watching. Yeah, it's like basically they try to separate them from their family and like their support, and then they force them into action and to like a point of no return, basically. But. Plagueis is like thinking about Palpatine. He's like, "Oh, I've got to be very careful with this one. He's very, he's very supple. But what an ally he would be!" I'm like, ooh, like your big immune hands. Like, it's just a very creepy creature. One of the things that I did think was worded kind of weirdly was when he was like, he took them, he took Palpatine to Magito, and mm. was just trying to like make him as uncomfortable as possible. But, oh yeah. Uh, 
I haven't brought you here to acquaint you with my past, Sidious. If you were of a species acclimatized to these conditions, I would have brought you instead to a desert world. If you were an aquatic being, I would have stranded you on dry land. Like, why don't you just say... Yeah. I, I, I would still I have that as a, to note a desert too. world. Note too. I was like, can you imagine how inconvenient it would be if the next Sith Lord you were trying to raise was like a water only creature? <laughs> You're like trying to, it's like a whale Adon or something. <laughs> it's like, I've brought a very large cargo ship to take you to Coruscant. Unfortunately, there's no oceans, so you have to stay in a swimming pool the entire time. You're just sitting on like the main concourse outside the Jedi Temple with this giant whale, beached whale on the front of it. I'll be Jedi walking past. Got like a group of I like... brought you here to acquaint you with discomfort. <laughs> this isn't just because you were a fish. If you weren't a fish, I would have put you in a fish tank. Got like a group of like uh, slaves with just buckets of water, just like pouring. <laughs> Finally, some respite. <laughs> <laughs> What species would very... be the dumbest Sith Lord? Because um, we've, uh, we've seen like Opo Rancisis and uh, uh, yeah, Jedi yeah. Hutt, but there has to be one species Between that's Logan just... too, like the, the space dragons, those are pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Chadra fan are pretty good, like Techly. They're still, they have like arms yeah. and legs and stuff. But Yeah, what would be the worst? Jedi would probably be really bad, but I know the worst. Like crystals called again from uh from Namchorios. Those ones would be pretty bad. Um, <laughs> toy Darian. I can't imagine being scared by a Toy Darian <laughs> floating around. I think a dog Jedi would be pretty pretty good. A lot of uh, Isn't dexterity there one going I on. Yeah. That's a good point. You don't really see the hive mind species develop for sensitivity. There is one of them that comes up somewhere, I think. Thinking about the Swarm War, the entire Masterpiece trilogy? <laughs> mm, close. Shit, I think it, I did a video with him in it before. But it might have been Legacy Era or something. Anyway. I'm sure we'll get there eventually. I sure hope so. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm curious to think what other species would be. Verpine Jedi. Uh, that sounds like it might have been him. Uh, anyways, we're now, I guess, into the second set of, or it's the second timeline where we kind of open up finding out that uh, stuff like the Trade Federation and all these big corporations are getting senate seats directly uh, Mm. because at some point during the first section the second section is when the supreme court of the new republic uh had the citizens united decision so uh they get political representation in the senate for uh techno union for trade federation which was done through mutilants uh kind of lobbying for them uh but there's also a question throughout the book of do the little worlds that kind of belong to the Trade Federation also get representation? Yeah, no taxation without representation is basically the entire second act. They're, uh, they're also upset about their inability to protect themselves. So they right. want to be able to arm all their stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Valorum doesn't want to get rid of uh, 
well, Valorum's not there yet, but the, the Republic doesn't want to get rid of the protections for uh, the Rusan Reformation. Right. What was the guy's name for here? The Supreme um, Chancellor? It was Womanizer McCurdy, uh, dude. Mr. Corrupty McFace. Yeah, um, uh, what was his name? Because there's four. Um, no, Valorum was it, the last yeah, one. He was there for 10 years, but there was... It was... Dyrus, that's the one. Dyrus, yeah. Also, can you do me a favor, Corey, right now? Yes, what? Maybe. Look up Supreme Chancellor on Star Wars Wiki and go to the canon page. Okay. Um... Just look at the Jesus picture. <laughs> <laughs> look at Palpatine just flexing. Holy shit. It looks like, you know, some pictures people it's like do. like Palpatine just how big his nuts are. That's like... <laughs> when, like, people take bathroom selfies and then they go into Photoshop and they do, like, the extra Ripley bits so it looks like they have muscles and abs and stuff. But then they yes. warp the doors behind them, and it's very obvious that it's bad photoshopping. Yeah, like you see, like a like a like a mirror just like yeah. completely bulge out. Yeah, that's basically what that looks like. Palpatine was yeah. making his Tinder profile, and that's the second time that's come up today. Yeah, yeah. Keep it, I guess that's our. Uh, well, little our Jedi Ken, little Jedi Ken has to come from somewhere, buddy. <laughs> Uh, oh god! Oh god. <laughs> but we get a bunch of the little side missions that uh, Plagueis and Palpatine are doing, kind of buddy cop for a few pages, where they mm. go to Buoyant Hypori for training. Oh yeah. Uh, then you get the nice scene of the Cursed Massacre. So that's the, this planet that uh, has been stricken from the records, where. Every new Sith Lord goes with their master. <laughs> All the locals run mm. out and fight him. They kill one, and then they run back in, and everyone's happy. Yeah, so and it, it's weird how they... Yeah, so like they're slowly advancing, too. So it's like very slowly. Um, they're like getting better weapons and stuff. But it's kind of interesting how... And I want to talk about this later. Plagueis is kind of a softy, too. Because, like, remember what Bane said. But, you know, like, if Palpatine was there on his own, like, he would have killed all of them and then probably, like, killed everyone else on the planet, too, just because, like, why not? Our full Sith, we will return to this place and we will honor those who helped us gain power. And I'm like, he's doing that shit? Like, God, no. I don't know. Yeah, Plagueis seems to be fairly just interested in whatever his own goals are and he's willing to do whatever he wants or whatever he needs to to do them but he doesn't go for quite as much wanton destruction right he's not like cruel um i mean various star wars books do this to various degrees but plagueis at least as he sees the (laughs) oh yeah there i like how you cropped it out too or was it a it was a png it already had no background (laughs) <laughs> uh, so 
podcast listeners, just as I said, go to Wikipedia, Supreme Chancellor, look at the canon picture. But, um, oh, right. So Plaggy sees the Sith as like the custodians of the galaxy almost. Like the caretakers, like enlightened, yes, enlightened rulers. Yes, sometimes people will die um, because it's for the greater good, but still ultimately for the greater good. Yeah, the, the and, justifications for it are kind of weird, though, where it's like, do they act yeah. They don't even necessarily go for the greater good, just for making others pay for not doing the greater good. Right. But he does specifically say a few times that, like, we're doing this because we will be enlightened rulers and we will, like... Yeah. That's, that's, whether that's truly their intention, I don't know. Well, towards even, the end, when... Uh, was it when he was killing him or Vim in the diesel, uh, the Naboo King guy, uh, where he says that King Verona, who's good or bad? Like, I yeah. determine what's good or bad, so yeah, go fuck yourself, basically. Yeah, he's kind of like, well, just like, yeah, I'm an enlightened being, like, I'll do what I want. Yeah, he's. Kind of trying to set himself up as a celestial, where the celestials are the one that determine the uh, the flow of the force. They're the ancients of the Star Wars universe, the forerunners. And until Anakin goes and kills them all. Well, that sucks for them, doesn't it? But I think there's the other ones that just get absorbed into the force, and the father, son, and daughter. I don't want to talk about corporeal. it. Yeah, it. <laughs> like a little big mama Abeloth. Come on, baby. Technically not a celestial. Um but uh is even more so um kind of a like an almost benevolent ruler because his it only mentioned this once, but one of his strategies to beat the Jedi was to make a computer the needs of the galaxy and take care of everyone so well that the Jedi wouldn't be needed anymore. That's his strategy. Yeah, that that's fine. Yeah, like that's not that's like the least Sith thing ever. Like we're gonna well, destroy the Jedi by at some way down the line they would have been by Darth Vectivus, who was just creepy business dude, right? So <laughs> That's basically how you get to Tenebris and Plagueis. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, so Plagueis and, kind of back more on topic, Plagueis and Palpatine discussion that is really prevalent in New Jedi Order and in less so, I guess in Legacy of the Force as well, but cons there. With um, whether the dark side and the light side are different, or whether they're like that matters. So let me just find what is the term they use yeah, again? Potentium. Um, potent, yeah, potential potentium theory. It's there's no inherently evil or good um, side of the force. It's just intention. So if you use force lightning, or even if you kill somebody, as long as it's for the right reasons, like they'd say on the Bachelorette. It's not a problem. And that's basically exactly what Vergeer is saying in um like Traitor in the other New Jedi Order books before she got like that stupid Sith retcon. 
that's kind of like how Jason feels sometimes too. Like as long as you're right, it's it's fine. But then Plagueis disagrees. He presents it as fact. I don't necessarily believe that it is so. He says, well, there's an there's an inherent difference between a volcano and a glacier being like prison light side powers are fundamentally different. Mm-hmm. Um but then later he says that the dark side of the force and the light side of the force, or how people point where it talks about how one of the Sith Lords made a plague, basically. They want to make a plague to strip away the force from the Jedi. And he's like, well, but we access the force just the same as the Jedi do, so. Yeah, is so is Palpatine and his, the, the Sith he trained, they seem fundamentally different from the other rule of two Jedi, where they're, or not Jedi, Sith, where mm-hmm. they're a lot more, like, they, they're obviously a lot more overt because they're the ones ruling the galaxy, but they seem to go a lot more for the cruelty angle than the other more recent Sith, and I guess that puts them more in line yeah. with the very old Sith, but, yeah, like, you so, have Tenebris who just wants to do his science fairs, Plagueis who mm-hmm. just wants to live forever, Activist who just wants to make lots of money, and yeah. that's still all in service of taking out the Jedi and the Republic. But then you get Palpatine, who basically trains Maul as an attack dog, and then trains mm. Vader as an attack dog, and then Dooku is already his own sort of political idealist. But he seems to fit more along with how uh, playing. Yeah, Dooku is like the ultimate because, like, th- when you look at some of them, it's almost like we've got kind of the same goal as the Jedi, which is make it's a good place the thing is we just have a different doctrine or different theory on how to best do so so passive we grab the force and we use it to make a good universe but then other sith are just like like palpatine at times for the sake of being cruel and self-serving yeah and uh plays was kind of trying to get rid of the the jealousy between master and apprentice and they'd rule the galaxy together doing their own things where he'd be sort of the master of the ethereal realms and Palpatine would be uh, the lead, the actual face of the Sith and leader of the galaxy. So they had those skills that were good for whatever, but then Palpatine's like, no, no murder. <laughs> so You fool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not, I wouldn't say he's like necessarily a cruel being. He doesn't kill things just to kill things. I can't think of too many examples where he kills something just to kill something. Palpatine? Or Plagueis? Like, like, even when his, his creatures, like when he's leaving Sojourn, instead of just slaughtering his creatures, he lets them roam free. Or like, he'll be cruel when he needs to be, like, you know, when he's taking slaves or whatever else. But he, he doesn't it doesn't seem like he gets pleasure out of doing things that yeah. are teen who will like just kill to just to kill. Like they say even that he's like a is that he's got the like mind of a mass murderer or something. Yeah, well like Plagueis' scenes he it seems more like he's doing the dark things in service to whatever it is he his goals are, and they're incidental, which is still like you're evil. But uh like He's doing them for that purpose, and then like he don't he go to mask is who he is, and then Plaguey is 
is this identity he has and does what he need to needs to do to accomplish mm-hmm. those goals. But with Palpatine, is like whenever his scenes are there, like oh, this Chancellor Palpatine is super fake, and I just want to murder someone, and I'm none of these things that I'm presenting to these people. Whereas with Plagueis, there is that element of his personality, which is he go to mask. And Higo Damascus is also a giant shitlord, which is like being a Sith Lord. But there's at least that other real part of his personality. Yeah, I, I agree. That makes that makes sense to me. Palpatine is just straight psychopath, sociopath. Yeah, and that's the range of the Sith novelization kind of because even even when like when Plagueis looks at Palpatine, he's like for the first time, he's like different. And like in uh, the Revenge of the Sith novelization, like Dooku, he's supposed to be an enlightened being. He wants to rule because he he genuinely thinks that he's got the best plan for the galaxy. But then like he looks at Palpatine and he like describes him as like a black hole in the force, you know? Like he destroys just to destroy. There were other options for there were other easier options for Palpatine than slaughtering his family, including his siblings. Yeah. And then he blames uh like he's like, You tricked me into it. like no, he you really jumped into that. <laughs> yeah, like dad takes away your data pad for a day and you're freaking out. And that's why you have to use Corey's data pad. Subscribe to Corey's <laughs> Uh but yeah, so there's something I've described as flowing red hair at dinner and getting palpitant. Uh <laughs> But we can probably um, skip over a lot of those. I, mean, I, I kind of wrote it down because there was the introduction to some of the characters. Like you get Pastage and Kim and Dorian who shows up throughout this section-ish. Yeah. But we're already an hour and a half in and halfway through the second section. So, uh, yeah. It, I mean, it is cool just to mention how many like uh, important Imperials. I do like how in this book we see Palpatine especially like making uh, like a cadre of like close to him. Like Pestage is definitely one uh, who's like been in ins for a long time. Um, yeah, Armand Izzard. So yeah, Armand Izzard. Um, what what's the other one's name? Oh, Grigatus. Yeah, Janus Grigatus. Uh, Lot There's, Dodd gets mentioned as being part yeah, of Lot Dodd as well. Mass is Massimeta included? Like he's in the book, but I don't think he's ever included as part of their little group. Does kind of include him as one of the conspirators because he um, he's the one that nominates Palpatine. I think they kind of make a comment about that. Well, no, it's uh, no, it's, it's not the Rodian Matthew. who nominates him, but it's the it's Massimeta who's like the co-chancellor or not co-chancellor, vice yes. chancellor who vice makes Valorum's yeah. job impossible for a while. Yeah. Oh yeah, because at one point they say um, something about Massimeta would have warned us about this. If yeah. So he's so. included as like part of their outer group, but I don't think he's ever included as being like one of the main dudes. Oh, Sly Moore too is mentioned. Um, and yeah, yeah. But yeah. He, he basically he basically gets this collection of people, and that's one thing that's cool about like did with the Republic turning into the Empire. Palpatine is basically all these advisors and people working with him, and then when the Empire is formed, they get like. An incredible amount of power. Like, say, Pestage basically runs the day to day of the Empire, from what I remember. I think they yeah. call his role. Um, Grand Vizier. Yeah, right. Right, Grand Vizier. 
Um, these people who are like loyal to Palpatine get like an incredible amount of power. Yeah. Uh, but soon after this, Palpatine ends up getting handed Darth Maul. Uh, oh yeah. And goes and puts him in secret. Doesn't tell Plagueis about him for a while, actually. Was yeah, like a few years. years. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I'm just going to train him as like an attack dog for the Sith. And Plagueis doesn't seem that concerned. Throughout the book, he's not really that concerned about Maul. Yeah, he's like, he's so... It, well, by the time... Um... Oh, Ornfrey Taw, that's another one. Did we mention him? Ornfrey Taw, I think... Is Ornfrey Taw the Rodian who nominates Palpatine? Or is that a different... Uh, he's not a Rodian, he's a, he's a Twi'lek. Right. I... Um. Rodia and Ryloth are so close together that right. I just messed that up. Right. Uh, um, yeah, one's an ugly bug creature, one's beautiful Twi'leks, except for Oren Frita. But, um... Uh, Rodians are the best. Um... Jocasta New gets mentioned. Uh, there's, like, some Jedi hanging around in this section, and Jocasta New gets mentioned as a master and a council member. Which doesn't track, unless yeah. she like left the council at some point. Because she's the librarian. Sorry, I didn't realize they specifically said she was a council member. But yeah, that's that's a little weird. I think she does get mentioned. So either just a. I know she gets mentioned over. because I thought it was kind of interesting. He's a when Plagueis is talking with. Um, I think he's just talking to the other Jedi about cloning. He almost says the word Kamino, but it talks about how the dark side held his tongue, basically. And he's not able to say the planet name. And I assume that's because Obi-Wan asking her about Kamino in episode two. And if she heard him say that, then she could have put together the conspiracy. Jocasta knew could have. Yeah, she was too busy thinking that the archives were complete, though. So, yeah. Ignorant uh, hog. Wow. <laughs> hogs. Uh, but this is is this where Sifodius gets Sifodius gets introduced? I think so. Yeah. And yeah. This is so the it's conversation him, with Dooku, Quagon, Sifodius, yeah. and uh, like eating or something. Yeah, she comes back. They're talking about the Republic and how whether or not a military is necessary, and this conversation kind of yeah. sets up a lot of the Clone Wars and Dooku's turn. Yeah, and it talks about, too, how, like, the Jedi aren't supposed to get involved in politics, but then later they have, like, the big Chancellor thing on the space station, and, like, they were there, and so is Jorah Sabayoth. Yeah, that so would have actually that. been pretty close. No. No, never mind. That wouldn't have been. Outbound Flight. Is, was an Outbound Flight? Outbound well, Flight it after, been... but Jorah had been involved in, like, weird political stuff at that point for a while where yeah. like Obi-Wan and Yoda jo or Obi-Wan jokes to Yoda about how like Joris Kaboth is always trying Sabayoth is trying to get in front of hollow cams as much as possible during yeah. outbound flight. Um doesn't he also uh, mediate a dispute between Dwayne Wogan? Pretty sure it says that in Thrawn. I mean in uh yeah in Thrawn. Hmm. Jedi records, which I think is really funny. Just imagine crazy old Joris trying to talk to these like space dragons who are having a bit of a 
Yeah, it's it's kind of he's kind of an interesting character because like he's supposed to be insane in the Thrawn trilogy because he's a clone, but then you get him introduced as like the original. And like, nope. Yeah, he's very very Sith like in Outbound Flight because he basically believes too, like just he's basically Dooku just with a longer beard. <laughs> believes that in an enlightened ruler, like enlightened Jedi rulers as well. Well, I think the difference between Dooku and Sabiath is that Sabiath believes it should be him that rules everything all the time. Yeah. Whereas Dooku is yeah. like, I'm I'm willing to do what I need to to make it happen. I don't necessarily know that it needs to be me. Yeah. Where Dooku is a political idealist, where he want, he's upset about the direction the Republic and the Jedi are going. So he's more than willing to go with the people who are causing that to happen to fix the problems, mm-hmm. but let's ignore that. Uh, for this conversation, though, Sifo-Dyas is kind of semi-convinced that the Republic may need a military. Uh, Dooku's there. Qui-Gon basically shuts down everything Plaguey says. Uh, Rude. Dooku is semi-open to it and starts, like, confiding in Plaguey's and Palpatine for the rest of the book. And Sifo-Dyas is just, like, friend of Dooku who is kind of sympathetic to things, but also staunchly Jedi. Yeah. I like the. I feel like James Lucina had a bit of a crush on Sifo-Dyas, just because like it's always describing like his big calloused hands and like his strong jaw and stuff. Doesn't he kind of do the same thing with Qui-Gon? Kind of, but I mean, I'm... they are similar body type and hairstyle. Just Sifo-Dyas is kept up, Qui-Gon's is down. So this is like a squat version of. Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon's like tall. Sifo-Dyas is like really short. Mm. <laughs> this is important. <laughs> <laughs> These are the details people need to know. But I guess the the last the last section of this section, I guess, is that uh, the Grand what's the uh, organization yeah. called? Like the Grand Consumer? Grand Protectorate. Grand Protectorate. Those leaders are upset that Plagueis has given Gardula Tatooine, which lets them have uh, pod racing going on there, mm-hmm. which is supposed to be Malastare's thing. So they're upset at Plagueis, who underestimated them. Uh, Senator mm-hmm. Lack team, chief among them, who they had actually been considering as a chief of yeah, state, chief of or state or or... supreme chancellor candidate. But uh, Plagueis really doesn't pay them any attention. Screws them over in like four different ways. Yeah. Because the Trade Federation are competing with them, and he's helping the Trade Federation. Plasma, which is one of Malastare's things, and the pod racing thing. Just not very polite. Very emotionally intelligent, if I do say so myself. Yeah, it's, these, these Sith Lords go around thinking they can do whatever they want, and they don't think about what they're doing to the little guy. Yeah. And by the little guy, I mean the other very rich people. <laughs> um, oh, one thing we didn't talk about, I guess before, we can mention briefly is the whole uh we did talk about the Ron Harkim thing. Right. Um so Ron Harkim, we we brought up his dad earlier where uh his whole family's dead and mm-hmm. Ron Harkim is the Jedi son. So uh King Kim wants to or he wants to go Senator. to Senator Kim, wants to go to uh Go to Coruscant and talk to him to convince him to leave the Order so he can come and have babies on Naboo. Yeah. Uh, but when he's there, he gets assassinated. 
And at the funeral for uh, for Senator Kim, Palpatine meets Ron Har. I think that's the same event. And kind of yeah. like does the same thing he does to Anakin, where it's like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if there were politicians and Jedi who were friends? <laughs> but that never actually The whole goes thing anywhere. is taken from Republic 64, the co- like issue 64 of the Republic comic. It's like the exact same thing that happens. That's what's set up. And that was like a 2004 thing. So the characters of Vidar and Ronhar have actually existed for quite a while. Kind of retold and modified for the book. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. Um, and eventually, Palpatine orders the murder of Ronhar, basically. So, well, technically, because Palpatine orders the murder of every Jedi. <laughs> well, there was a movie er- about it. He orders the murder of Ronhar on an earlier occasion during the Clone Wars itself. Hmm. But it's that's kind of that was interesting to me because Ronhar is um, Vidar's or like a a child, or sorry, to continue the line as we said. Um, and it, and actually, I do get the feeling like Palpatine actually may have had some compassion for Vidar Kim. He was putting that on so Plagueis would underestimate him. What did you think about that? I I don't really think I got the impression that it was genuine. Like I think he felt pity for him. I don't think mm-hmm. he felt compassion for him. Like he saw the sobbing mess and useless guy and was like, "Oh, you're pathetic." I mean, they had like a, a long history together too. Like he was probably the closest person. Like he was probably Palpatine's closest friend. Yeah. Like or like closest Early thing he had advisor. to advise. Yeah. I guess from that perspective, yeah, but I was just kind of thinking about, like, Palpatine's only own family situation, where he didn't really right. put much stock in that, so I, like, I did get the idea that, or get the feeling that he grew. Stream just went offline, by the way. Uh-oh. We can just keep talking. It, it seems like he sensed some unwillingness to murder him, so... Or if that was something he's putting on. Oh, we're yeah. back. No, I, I do think that the unwillingness to, or the hesitation to murder him would have been real. Mm. But but um, then he kind of like rationalizes it away because he's like, oh, he's just like the other nobles on Naboo who I hate. Yeah. But uh, that does kind of shake Plague's trust in Palpatine for a little bit. But then he, without Palpatine's knowledge, organizes for Palpatine to be captured. Uh <laughs> And Palpatine kind of does his job, gets captured, and escapes the way he's supposed to. But Plagueis is very happy about that. However, at the same time, or at a similar time, the Grand sent a bunch of assassins after Plagueis. And Mm -hmm. at the Order of the Canted Circle, where they're trying to, which is like a one secret society thing, where they're Mm going to induct his right-hand man, Larch Hill. But mm-hmm. Larch Hill loses his head instead, and uh, every other Mun there dies. Plagueis gets like his jaw cut off, Alex style. A yeah, pretty brutal injury. Yeah, he gets pretty ripped up. The throat and... gets ripped up too, I think. Yeah. So he starts like drinking wine through his nose later in the book. Yeah. Yeah, like he eats through it and stuff too, it seems, because at one point he and talks about him and Palpatine going out to eat, so. 
Yeah, uh, this is where Sate Pestage really becomes part of the inner circle, though. Because in order to just, just survive, Plaguey's starts using yeah. Sith powers, and then Palpatine gets there and also gets all Sithy. So they basically just look at each other and look at Passage, and it's like, you're, you're in now, bud. We can either kill you, or um, you can shut up. Passage does seem to be pretty useful. Yeah, he uh, doesn't seem the... to give a fuck about any evil that they do. He never seems to. Or interested in pleasing them. It's the yeah. same with like uh, Doriana. I, I do like the. I think the relationship between Doriana and Pestage is pretty cool. Yeah. Like Doriana is like kind of my like. I don't know. He doesn't get a lot of love, but he's a cool character. And then to be brought in like in a pretty major way in this book. Same with Pestage. Like Pestage was originally going to be like a character in Return of the Jedi, or maybe even Episode Five. So it's just mm-hmm. really cool that. Books will just play lip service to that sort of stuff, but like here it actually shows the relationship being formed. It's not like some, it's not like some uh, thing in the Essential Guide to Warfare that says that they were working together the whole time. This is like they actually are. Yeah, there's that like the main picture of Pestage where it looks like they're about to drop the hottest rap album of 2019. <laughs> yeah, uh, is Doriana in that? Does he survive? Um, like he's not mentioned anything, but does he get reckoned as one of those people? Uh oh, you mean no? Doriana's dead. Is I he buy dead by then? Yeah, I, th- I think they say he. I, th- I think he's supposed to have died like, or Yavin maybe or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he's one of the big advisors. Mm-hmm. But uh, what's his name is um. The Nebu sender after Palpatine. What's his name? Um. Evadol. <laughs> No, the the one between them. Oh, what's his name? We talked about it earlier. Yeah, Gar. I know who you're talking about. One. Um, and I think there's another one that's name dropped in this book as well. Hmm. But uh Flymore was too busy off making um Jedi Knight Ken and others. <laughs> Jedi Prince Ken, sorry. After after the assassination attempts, uh Palpatine sort of sees it has a failure on Plagueis' part. Like, is he fallible mm-hmm. since he didn't? And he uh, probably is. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yes. But uh, Plagueis kind of takes, he sees Palpatine's success in the kidnapping attempt as like, I can bring him into top level Sith knowledge now. We're mm-hmm. almost equals. And starts showing him what he's been doing with uh, uh, with Darth Venamis. Takes him into his little secret lair, all the midichlorian experiments. Uh, things that he loves, he says. Yep. And Palpatine starts training Maul for real. They discuss that as well, and Plagueis is okay with it as long as he's not an actual. Yeah. Can you say something? Oh yeah, I lost. I think I lost you there for a second. Did you get your vocal cords cut out, and then? Hold on, you can't hear me. I can hear you. It's just you okay. sound very, very deep right now. Oh, that, that that's happened before. Suck. I thought you became a Sith Lord. Is it still bad? No. You sound like you again. I think that's happened a few times. And like one time when I was streaming, my voice got dark or dark. 
falling full into the Sith Lord thing. My voice got deep like that for a while, and no one told me. They thought I was like putting on a. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were just trying to like make fun of Flaggies or something with this vocoder. I should have used it. I should have said some evil shit. <laughs> Welcome to our top cough transmissions. That reminds me, we did get at least we did get at least three tap calves this book, I think. Yeah, that's true. It went pretty early on, and then. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, we're getting into cool. the last section here. Yeah. Anything with Sorry, the... one thing I thought was cool about the battle is like, uh, the Star Killer like move from one of the Force Unleashed trailers where like he slaps his hands together and like atomizes. Hmm. And he does like a, a force squeal. <laughs> yeah, there's the a lot of name. not using lightsabers in this book. Where Yeah. Plagueis he also does a, a Vader style uh blaster grab too. Yeah, I think uh Palpatine ends up going and killing the uh the Grand Protectorate people. And mm -hmm. he's using Plagueis' lightsaber in that. Yeah. So I think he uses Plagueis' lightsaber more in this book than Plagueis does. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, a bit of fire thrown too, because like he he doesn't actually summon fire, but he like manipulates it. Uh, yeah, there's the gas leak, uh, yeah. causing a fire in the grand thing. He like fireballs that. Or in less than about yeah, proper. But I guess before we jump into this last section, uh, which is largely just the plot of episode one, but showing mm -hmm. that Plagueis was off screen by about 10 feet every time, uh, <laughs> there is one thing that I'd like to discuss. If there's anything else you want to bring up, then oh, we can do that when we're on your channel. I'm in charge now. This is Cozy Corner. Uh, <laughs> But was Palpatine ever not going to kill Plagueis? This is something that you wrote on the page, so really it's you bringing it up, but I thought it would be... Sorry, was he ever not what? Was Palpatine ever going to go along with Plagueis' plan for them to rule side by side uh, and not... I don't know. Like, I, I really wonder, because just what Palpatine is like, because that last scene, it almost does seem like he's about to walk out of the apartment that they're in together. Damn it, it's like I can actually do it right now. I can kill Plagueis and I can lead it all. Um, I do think he was, well, ultimate goal was always to lead. Um, but I, I do think there was more he could have learned from Plagueis. And I think he would have preferred to learn more, but he, the perfect opportunity came up for him. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think Palpatine was wrong to not want to do Plagueis' plan, but I don't think he was ever going to go along with it, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because we, you, if you read the book right after reading it the first time, which, like, I did, I read it, and then I reread it, and I was looking for hints early on about him not, um, like, agreeing with Plagueis or him some sort of internal hint that he wasn't listening or that he had his own ulterior motive and doesn't really give you a whole lot of them. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it does come within the last section where I don't know if we need to go point by point through a lot of it. Just no, I, I don't think so. Because if you've seen episode one, you know what they're doing, uh, yeah. where they want to make a military. Do we not make a military? Blah, blah, blah. But Plagueis mm -hmm. sort of 
uh, gets more and more wrapped up in what he's doing. So the midichlorian yeah. stuff, which from his perspective is because Palpatine is doing such a good job uh, with the political machinations and he's still helping with that. But it, Palpatine sees it as Plagueis losing sight of what's important and doesn't see the importance of what Plagueis is doing in the same way that Plagueis does. Uh, yeah, but he also gets kind Plagueis, of insane. Yeah, well, Plagueis sees it as natural. He's like, okay, you're doing this and you're doing just fine, so I'll focus on like my sort of the, the, the spirit realm. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's funny because a lot of time Plagueis goes out of the way to make it seem like they're not um, like rivals or traditional rule of two Sith, and Palpatine just mis- misleads it. One occasion is when they're on the meeting on Sereno. Plagueis doesn't tell Palpatine because he doesn't want Palpatine to feel like it's a veiled threat. And then Palpatine finds out that Plagueis didn't tell him. And he's like, that was a veiled threat. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so it's I, Plagueis definitely did see the two as equal and well, not as equal because he still does like really obnoxious shit. Like he chokes Palpatine, although that's pretty early on. And he still describes himself as like the ultimate Sith while Palpatine yeah. is like, so I think there might have been some sort of situation where if he stopped doing really obnoxious shit like that, like if he stopped referring to himself as the grand master behind the scene and stuff, maybe Palpatine would have been willing to work with him, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, he's towards the end. It's especially the last section where he kind of sees Palpatine as his equal, but uh, he's still more powerful. He is the more powerful of the two. Uh, yeah. as a force user yeah. uh, in my opinion at least and in his I opinion agree. but I think he sees that as the thing that keeps him being the master and Palpatine being the apprentice for now even though they were mm-hmm. eventually going to be I think in his mind like joint everything yeah. uh, and I think if he had dropped that like right around the time that part of three starts that Palpatine maybe wouldn't have killed him immediately but yeah I don't know that Palpatine was ever going to go fully along with it. Yeah, Palpatine, he's not like the type of person to... It's hard because at the end, he explains that all of this, all of the stuff was his doing, but I don't think that that's correct. No, it doesn't really hold up if you look back through and how stuff was brought up. Exactly. Some of it, like, sure, but... The clone army is a great example. Like, yeah. that wasn't Palpatine's idea, but he claims that one, but that was something Plagueis had been working on for a long time yeah and uh before like he'd always wanted to work with camino wins on that before mm-hmm. they they come like palpatine is the one who basically suggests isn't he that Sipodia should be able to make the order and then plagueis will finance it but even palpatine's like no we can't afford to finance it until plagueis says he yeah. can uh so really palpatine taking credit for that makes no sense but uh when plagueis first meets the camino wins his original plan is going to be to use uh, the Yinkori, who he'd come across mm-hmm. in his, or which he'd taken an interest in in his studies because the Yinkori weren't particularly smart, but they were still able to be resistant to uh, right. suggestion. Like an evolutionary thing. Yeah, where it's they have like a protective force bubble from their midichlorians, mm-hmm. uh, similar to how Salamiri on Mercury yeah. do, where they can't get affected by the force. And yeah. so he he gets a specimen to study uh, from a prison, basically in Cory Prison. That's because he gets the Yinchori, the council or the seat in the Senate, right? Yeah, where he helps yeah. him with that, and then like in exchange con. he gets one. Uh, yeah, and that was it. Was going to be instead of a clone army of Jangos, 
it was going to be a clone army of the Inkori. Yeah. The Kaminoans were like, mm, we can try, but Too crazy. Yeah. we're not going to be able to get what you want out of that. So I, I, I love I love the whole scene on Kamino because the, the cloners are so like down with whatever. Yeah. They're like, you want us to work with Rafana? Yeah, sure. Um, one thing that I thought was kind of weird, though, is that it almost seems like Plagueis puts in the order the first time he visits because they're like, oh, the the um, I don't remember what they call their leader, but the prime minister will be very happy with this. Yeah, and that's like when he's still dealing with the Yinshori. So like, it's kind of weird how early like Plagueis like sets up the whole clone army thing only for him to, I guess, not go through with it later. Well, I think he was still funding some of the research for it. He just hadn't uh, okay. ordered a. That makes the army. sense. Yeah, that that does make sense. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so there. I guess one of the other things that comes up in this is like they they talk about Maul a little bit. Plaguey's still not that concerned. He does get mm. angry about like one way that Palpatine phrases our partnership, thinking yeah. it's about uh, him and Palpatine when Palpatine. Yeah. means mauling himself or vice versa so there yeah. is a little bit of jealousy there or not jealousy but like some sense of am i being threatened by this yeah but and there's another one too where plagueis is something about beings um going past their like competence level yeah with and, uh the trade federation after they install yeah and palpatine Gun thinks Ray. he's talking about him yeah so i think that just shows like palpatine was looking for reasons to jump on plagueis yeah and someone said well this won't be the only in the chat this won't be the only time Plagueis will sleep but Plagueis didn't sleep at this point um because at the beginning of the book he had his master Tenebris had got to the point where he didn't need to sleep and that was something that he kind of coveted so he learns not to sleep himself so it was really like a very unique situation um and Palpatine is kind of always on guard after he gets choked out by Plagueis, not one one occasion. He's always kind of ready. So, yeah. Uh, they're so they're both looking to orchestrate uh, a rise for Palpatine to the chancellorship, mm-hmm. and they think the way they need to do that is to put uh, Padme as the new Queen of Naboo to initiate a vote of no confidence. Uh, or that wasn't necessarily the initial way they were going to do it, but they they saw Padme as a good candidate to be Queen of Naboo uh, to help with igniting tensions with the Trade Federation and leading towards the Clone Wars and Palpatine's ascension. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's what a lot of it focuses on. And I don't know that there's much that we haven't already talked about about like the Naboo politics. No, I mean, the stuff about... Padme is kind of interesting because she is a 14-year-old elected queen, but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, it's basically, it's not beat for beat, like the Phantom Menace, obviously, but yeah. you're just getting different perspectives on what's happening. You see that more of it's being manipulated by Palpatine than you might expect. Plagueis is right there when Maul is getting his sort of talk with Palpatine about, you know, the Sith will finally reveal himself um, or themselves. Yeah. But yeah. Uh well when when Plagueis finally does go to kill Vidar Kim, uh right. he reveals himself as like Sith Lord. You mean Varuna? Or Varuna rather, sorry. Yeah. Uh he reveals himself as a Sith Lord, but it's right after 
right before a scene where Maul is being sent by Palpatine to take out all the Black Sun leaders. Right. I guess you'd have to imagine that there's a uh, a lot of the stuff that leads up to the Shadow Collective being done when he's mm-hmm. on these missions, but... Uh, That's a book, too. I forget which book that yeah. is. Um, but, yeah. But Maul brags to when he's killing Garen. <laughs> yeah, the leader, um, yeah, Garen. And uh, Ch- Palpatine chastises him when he gets back. Like, if he'd gotten away, we'd be screwed. And mm-hmm. I wonder if Plagueis did the same thing. Like, oh, yeah, he 100% just did. Yeah, because <laughs> Plagueis is like, well, whatever. Like, yeah. Palpatine like, even tells he Plagueis, like, can you believe that Maul did this? Like, yeah, that sounds good. Like, it's like, bitch, I just did the same thing. <laughs> 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 or I'm about to. I don't remember the timing, but. The part of the plan that makes the least sense to me with uh, installing themselves in power, like, I get the idea of uh, Palpatine being Chancellor and then uh, Plagueis being, like, some kind of advisor, but it seems like yeah. Plagueis' plan is that as soon as Palpatine is Chancellor, He's somehow yeah, going to so have stupid. the legal authority to just. Yeah, like the next day. It's like the commencement speech. He's like, it's like. Yeah, that makes no Like that part make, makes no sense. For one, like if if you're about to execute the grand plan, which you are, the legal structure of the Republic isn't going to be super important for very long. So like you're just stroking Plagueis' ego. Let him be behind the scenes. Then when you make your new empire, you guys can be co-cutie emperors if you want like like there's nothing that like because if if palpatine is the chancellor he can do whatever he wants basically within you know whatever constitutional limits there's no advantage of having a having a second chancellor there i guess there's some like public because at this point like higo de mosque had started to like re-emerge after being crazy on the island and growing a immune beard but um, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It would have made more sense just for him to be like some sort of um, elder statesman or something, you know? Yeah, just like keep trying to like have that image of Palpatine as the as the good chancellor, mm-hmm. the caring dude that get all that extra emergency power that Jar Jar grants him. And mm-hmm. then eventually you can just do whatever you want and you can be in whatever position you want after you destroy the Jedi. But if you like immediately get promoted to chant or get win the election to Chancellor, then appoint Plagueis, it it makes Yeah, pardon my uh vulgarity, but I think Plagueis got a bit of a immune stiffy when he was like hanging out with all like the government people and like I don't know, I, I think he took a liking to the life. Yeah. Honestly. Because like I thought he... you were going to say when Palpatine was like reading his acceptance speech before he kills him. <laughs> oh, yeah, tell me well, how yeah. great I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay, enough, enough, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I did like the the fact that it was Kuat, the Kuwati senator, who was like, we don't need a military. The that was bizarre. Had, even though they yeah. had a giant fleet already. And even though... Kuat would be like the ones producing new ships, so like, why would they ever not want war? You yeah, know? it's like the most honest Kuati senator ever. No one else needs a fleet. We need a fleet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Maul's initial double-sided lightsaber was just two lightsabers <laughs> welded together. 
I imagine it being like a red green type of thing. It's like literally duct tape or like. <laughs> do, do other people get that reference? Was that a thing? I, I probably not. Non Canadians probably will not get that reference, but. Um... Just imagine a, a duct tape lightsaber. Yeah. With an old plaid shirt wearing lodge member. There's one, one of Red Green's creations basically explains the entire show. They take the a truck with a um like a, a truck bed they put a tarp down and then they take a hose put the hose in the exhaust put the exhaust to the other end of the hose in the, <laughs> the back of the truck bed fill it with water and make a portable hot tub <laughs> was that an adventures with bill i think so heated with the power of carbon monoxide oh, oh we should do a red green podcast we oh could- i'd be down Green trailer park boys, maybe. <laughs> they they hear about Anakin, and they both seem kind of surprised that he's there. So yeah, does what does that do for the theory of Plagueis made Anakin? Well, they I I I think it still fits because they sense some sort of shift when because it's like okay, so nine years back or whatever they. Yeah they were meditating and it's not exactly clear what they did other than that. They shifted some sort of paradigm. Yeah. Um, and then they felt some sort of reaction and then the time worked up. It's like, it's like a girl you met one night, tells you she's pregnant. You're doing like the mental math. That's basically like what Plagueis and Palpatine are doing. Back off an Akis yeah. gif in the background. while Palpatine's thinking. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but I guess with the with the force experiments, we do find out in this section that Plagueis has been successful. Uh, mm-hmm. Palpatine and Plagueis are there where they finally let Venomous die, but not before Plagueis had like killed him and brought him back 17 times until it yeah. was too much. Just like what's his name? Um, Bevel Lemelisk Palpatine does that with mm. in Legends later on. but Or I guess this is Legends later on, yeah. So Plagueis has like full mastery over his Metachlorian magic. Yeah. Palpatine has full mastery over uh, the political sphere. Body politic. And uh, all of this stuff on Sojourn in Plagueis' lab is starting to like die off. Yeah. The force is like starting to strike back. So force is upset at them, but he's going to leave anyway. Anyways. And the force is like that is very not cash money of you. <laughs> <laughs> and the force's will is uh, brought to bear in the form of Garjula the Hut showing up. I think <laughs> dropping a nuke on the boys. <laughs> and then and then Java shows up afterwards. I was not clear on the <laughs> exact order of operations there. Like was Java there the whole time and then fought off Garjula? Did she come and nuke know. them and then play? Java's a real bro in this book though. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, oh, ha, ha, get on, boys. <laughs> <laughs> we Tatooine now. Gotta come visit my party shack up in the Yunlin Wastes. Boba Fett there. We got, we got an you. elephant or Ephant Mon. <laughs> it's force sensitive, by the way. There's an alternate ending to this book, actually, where instead of Palpatine killing Darth Plagueis, Plagueis just resigns and goes and hangs out on <laughs> Davis Sail Barge for decades. Man, you know what? I'd take it. 
I do like how Ethan Mon gets name dropped. You know him? He's like the uh oh, what's that species name again? Chevin, I think. Yeah. Like the elephant man, the like one of George Lucas's really ingenious uh ingenious names. <laughs> and then later in Fate of the Jedi, there's a there's a um Chevin newscaster. Like they're like described as like being notoriously ugly, so yeah, well, there's uh, there's Chevins and then there's Chevs, which are basically humans. And right, the there's Chevs Christina Lobi, the Jedi Master, who's a Chev, so basically human. But when Luke is setting up oh, I didn't the, know that. the Jedi Council, yeah, uh, she's part of it. And at some point in the books, uh, it talks about her like unfurling her snout onto the table because <laughs> I think it's Troy Denning thought that she was a Chevin. <laughs> <laughs> He's just. A... It's, it's really funny. Fun. <laughs> it's really funny to imagine a human doing that. Yeah. Your snow. It's like you crouch down and like put your nose <laughs> on the table. <laughs> then, yeah, that's basically. Those are the <laughs> the best hits at the Chevins right there. <laughs> oh God, I did not know that. That's so funny. Yeah, For me, so. like when I read Jedi Master names anywhere after like New Jedi Order, they're just in and out. Like it's New yeah. Jedi Master every well, week added uh, to the. Tracina Lobi and who's the other one? Octoramus. Always kind of mixed together in my Big mind. Big snout energy. <laughs> but Octoramus is actually pretty cool. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. Not that useful, but pretty cool. She like gets angry and hurls her rock. There's actually there's a yep. scene in one of the books where. All the Jedi Masters are like sparring. That was pretty good. Oh, on Endor, you mean? Yeah, where yeah, Octoramus cool. like loans her lightsaber to Kyle or something, and then it starts yeah. chucking rocks at everyone. Back when I remember that Kyle was a Jedi Master after not being <laughs> after twenty anyone. years of being MIA. I do like that scene um, where it's Octa. I don't remember who else is there, but they're on the. I, I don't remember even where the Jedi Academy is, but the. Um, the GA like that like he's kind of basically like this torturer. He comes and starts like executing students. Remember that? Uh, um, was that like Jason sends him there, and he's like this really like sadistic guy, and he cuts off Octa's arm. Was that Osis? It probably was Osis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Osis. It's like late Legacy of the Force, like yeah, second last book, I think. I don't know. I just thought that was neat. Actually, was that Octoramus or was that Tion? Oh, yeah, that was Tion. You're right, sorry. Because it was like Cam and Tion yeah. protecting them, which is really cracked yeah, right. Jedi Masters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I got them mixed up. You're right. Uh... <laughs> cracked team. Of, you know, the best member. Got two Jedi Council members here. Who would dare attack? <laughs> Literally anybody. Oh, wait. <laughs> One of them can barely use the Force. <laughs> Gonna throw some yeah. library books at you. Yeah. Uh all right. Anything else? Any other major plot uh, points? Let me just see. One thing that's interesting is the intro I think he's introduced here, the Sith Darth Gravid or Gravid. Right. Um, right. and he's kind of like they kind of use him as an example of or like as a reason why like lots of Sith um kind of information is lost knowledge and one thing that got me thinking about is like we also have kind of lots of exaggerations about the sith like at one point 
Um, they talk about how, or Plagueis talks about how, oh, ancient Sith could fly, they could summon lightning and poison and do whatever they wanted, they could transfer their souls. So it's it kind of interesting to think about whether all those stories were true um, or whether they are exaggerated because the records are sort of lost. It, it's kind of an interesting thing where, like, game mechanics and comic book fights tend to become, like, yeah. the legends of the books. Exactly. Where they become the mythos. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool, like, way to handle it. Even, like, Bane is, like, you know, they don't fully know what's going on with him. Yeah. Uh, so Dooku, I guess, comes up a fair amount where... He is finally leaving the Jedi Order. And right. well, I, I guess Palpatine actually kills Plagueis first before the final conversion of Dooku. So right. when they're planning Palpatine's acceptance speech, he goes into uh was that Plagueis' apartment? Or were they in Palpatine? Either way, so uh, Yeah, because Palpatine's about to leave, so they're in Plagueis's. Yeah, so Plagueis is getting super drunk for some reason. They're celebrating. Yeah. And Palpatine is like going through his speech 73 times. Plagueis is getting annoyed, but Palpatine's just waiting till he gets drunk. We can't fight mm. back. And then he just force lightnings the uh, the respirator that Plagueis has so that it would look um, like it just malfunctioned. And then Plagueis just sits there, like, absolute daddy move. He's like, try to kill me. He's just like, he doesn't even do anything. He's like, can you do it? Can you do it? <laughs> I don't know, was that the, the alcohol, <laughs> or was that just... I don't know. It is kind of funny, though, like how he's this ultimate Sith Lord with full control over his body, but he can't help himself from getting drunk. Like, yeah, just stop. Like, just did, like, did they ever try holding like a party for the Jedi where they'd serve <laughs> themselves like ginger ale and they'd give all the Jedi wine? So then they just slaughter them all or just like take really embarrassing videos of them, like getting drunk and be like, quit the order. These will make their way onto the hollow net. <laughs> The Sith start TMZ. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Palpatine dies. Or, no, Palpatine doesn't die. Plagueis dies. Oh, later. It yeah. looks like, yeah. Jump forward about 20 years. Or 30 years. Yeah. 35 years. 36? Uh, okay. Um, I'm just, just fucking with that. I don't know. I don't Probably. That's true. Uh, but, yeah, so... Uh, Plagueis dies, and at the same time that Palpatine thinks he should be feeling happy, uh, he feels sad, uh, and he learns yeah. that that's because Maul's dead too, so he has no apprentice. Uh, yeah. Well, Maul's not dead. Maul's in half on the floor somewhere, and not dead. <laughs> Pulling himself across the... Never He's... able to poop ever again. R2-D2 style. You know how uh, Plagueis learned to eat and drink and breathe through his nose? Yep. That's what Maul did with poop and pee. God. <laughs> Very sophisticated humor on this podcast. Oh, that's disgusting. We've had uh, naked plagues. We've had Plague- Okay, it's not naked plagues. Let's use a scientific term. Plagues was hanging dong. <laughs> okay. Um... Want to be clear? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Palpatine gets Dooku to leave the Jedi, or talk to Dooku, who is leaving the Jedi yeah. Order, has been flirting with that idea throughout the whole... For like a couple decades. <laughs> yeah, the whole book series. 
I thought uh, the bit about his apprentice was kind of dumb, but I don't know if that comes from another book or not. I uh, Kamari Vosa? Yeah. yeah, she the Bando Gora and Kamari Vosa were set up by a lot of other stuff beforehand. Yeah. Or, I think she was in like the Bounty Hunter game, Boba Fett game. I honestly I don't Fett I never game. played that game. But she'd shown up in a few things before, so that yeah. was definitely working in uh, other yeah. bits that had been established elsewhere. And yeah. uh Dooku was upset about things that were happening in Into the Republic. Uh, and he was kind of hoping he'd find the Sith Lord. And mm-hmm. Palpatine was thinking about whether or not he'd reveal himself. And was thinking, no, eventually I'll do it. But that's kind yeah, of... Yeah, I, I kind of wish we would have got to see it. I don't know. Yeah. Where do we... What, what, where do we actually see Palpatine, like, tell Dooku? Do we? I don't Maybe know. A, I assume we do somewhere. Maybe we might get a flashback and... Revenge of the Sith novelization, but I don't remember. There's got to be somewhere. There's so many goddamn books from the Clone Wars. There's like literally 300. Well, yeah, but well, not uh, literally, but better part of the 10 years between episode one and two, there's like Outbound Flight and Jedi Quest. Well, there are, yeah, there's got to be something. I don't know. So we get Yaddle dying, but. But there's, there's a lot of. Oh, yeah, right. But there's a lot of like there's the whole Republic comics. Um, there are yeah, and there's a lot of young adult novels, or even maybe Cloak of Deception. Yeah, maybe I don't I don't remember I, that was never the Clone Wars was never one of my favorite eras to be honest. Yeah, because Cloak of Deception was uh, also by James Lucino and had a lot of Qui-Gon stuff in it. I think it was before Episode One, but. Mm. I think it might have involved flash forwards, but no. Yeah. Either way, I can't remember. There's there's so many books set during that era. Um, I'm trying to remember. I, I, yeah, there's like, I think there's at least like forty or fifty books set in this era. Just like between the young adult ones, the yeah, yeah. Uh, A lot of them are just like out of way. Obi-Wan and Anakin, or Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan going on adventures, but yeah. whatever. My teacher in middle school had, like, all the Jedi Quest books, so I yeah. ended up reading most of them there. Yeah. But uh, we'll get to questions in a little bit, Boomshire. The uh, Jedi Quest is, like, 10 or 11 books, I think, alone. Yeah, but they're all, like, 60 pages, so... Yeah, true. Okay, any... I think that's it for major um, book points. But there's a few discussion points you got here, so is there anything uh, we haven't talked about? Do you, you think, to... um, do you think Vidar Kim's family was killed, or was it just an accident? Don't they say that the Trade Federation took credit for that later on? Like, Palpatine brings that up as a thing that the Trade uh, Federation... They might have. Done. They might have. I might have missed that. Because um, when, when Palpatine's, like, airing... Newt Gunray's dirty laundry trying to explain who he is. Mm-hmm. I think it comes up that like, oh, you killed them, didn't you? Gotcha. Okay. It's possible. I'm, I mean, I'm, that sounds that sounds right. I don't remember. Uh, I think that's what happened. I could be wrong there. Um, yeah. That, I, I think you're right. Like my only big thing here is, was Palpatine wrong to kill Plagueis? Like, would Palpatine have been better off? If he had gone along with yes, I do. I do think. I think he would have been better off yeah, not cause... killing Plagueis because he was doing. Palpatine never like reached the 
I don't, I don't even think Palpatine reached like the some of the abilities Plagueis had with like resurrection and stuff. No, and that was Palpatine's um, main issue in life was that he died multiple times. So if Plagueis had been around, maybe that wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of his apprentices were kind of shit. Like, let's be real. Maul, useless. Yeah. Dooku never really wanted him as an apprentice in the first place. And then Anakin had him as an apprentice for three minutes, turned into a burning pile of whining. And I can't see Anakin being like a scholar of Sith lore and learning new. No, not at all. Yeah, not at all. Um, Yeah, I I would say he he would. I, I don't know. I just don't think like. I just don't think that's possible with Palpatine's character though. Yeah. Um but you also have to wonder like once they like Palpatine did basically secure the galaxy. Um and then the question is like what next after that? Um and that's like I don't, I don't know like after you they've got full power I do think that eventually Palpatine probably would have probably wanted to kill him at that point too. Just yeah. because But know. does uh does Plagueis being involved curb some of the Empire's humanocentrism? I don't think so, because Plagueis recognizes he says at one point that the future belongs to humans. Mm-hmm. Uh he's very pragmatic and practical about like the realities. Um I don't think he would have any problem like yeah. And I mean they he specifically also helps bring in like various hive species and various alien species to be like the big bad guys for the yeah. CIS, um, which was like a clear attempt to, you know, vilify aliens. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, anything else for you there? <sighs> I don't think so. Um, let me just check my points. I do like how Coruscant, I like how they describe it as like basically a shit planet for both the Jedi and the Republic because it's just like, it's just festering. Um, so like Republic senders are just like always being corrupted and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the Jedi, they say like it could have been a force nexus for the light basically like Corban was for the dark, but because it's so um, fake and there's so much like... Oh, the tap caps natural. of iniquity? Yeah, exactly. That it, it's not so. Yeah, I do like the how we see like the clones be like the perfect. Um, they're like the perfect way to kill the Jedi because it's like two birds with one stone. Because you're lessening the Jedi standing because you're throwing them into a military role, which they're not supposed to do. And you have um, beings with every Jedi across the galaxy because a lot of the problems with trying to wipe out the Jedi is the fact that they're spread out so far. Mm. But if you, if you bring them into war, then you can kill all the combat capable ones, which Plagueis says will be enough. Yeah, um, they don't need to kill Jocastanu and Theon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's why Anakin was able to just waltz through Temple. Yeah, because he Other was fighting like the he was he was going against like the third liners. Yeah, the younglings, librarians, and Syndralig. Yeah. 
really kind of undercuts think... Vader as this scary figure capable of all that. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like all the just... clones are out there. I think the clones are over just like watching like the news and just like fuming. Like they had to like gun down like I was gonna say Mace Windu, but obviously not. They had to like gun down like the hero Jedi masters and Anakin's just like killing the janitor and like the, the <laughs> Jedi healer and shit. Uh, all right so i guess rankings and then questions um for this for me i think this has got to be number one i'm kind of surprised because i really prefer the new republic era and i like the older books like i like the bantam era but this is just so well written it's so adult it's got it's even got like difficult language like there are words in this book that like i had to look up uh i mean i didn't have to understand the context but because i was curious um yeah very well written it's like an it expertly uses other material um yeah it's just really well done the third the third act is definitely the weakest by far um but it's just a an exploration of the universe we don't really see in anything else so yeah uh so just for everyone out there eckhart's current ranking is Plaggy's first, Rogue Squadron second, Back to War third, Wedge's Gamble fourth, Truce of Bacurus fifth, and Righto's Trap is sixth. Uh, I have to agree. I'm putting Plagueis first. Uh, basically, it, I don't know that it'd be a book that I'd recommend to like someone coming in new Definitely. to Star Wars because mm. the, the thing it does best is that it is such a repository of Legends references. But because yeah. what I... Uh, my favorite part of Star Wars is the broader universe building rather than necessarily Definitely. the individual stories. Uh, it basically is exactly what I would want out of a book like this. Uh, and it, it doesn't have quite the same like fun character moments that no. uh, the X-Wing books do, but I think overall, the world building is it, phenomenal. Yeah. It's like with X-Wing, like the world building is sometimes off because it's like still kind of figuring stuff out. But like, this is the exact opposite. Everything feels just like it should. Yeah. Scale is always right. The, um, like the way things are portrayed or the descriptions of things are always right, you know? So, yeah. Uh, and it, it did have the benefit of being basically like the last legends novel. Uh, but it still, I'm not going to take away from it for that. It takes the number one spot for me. So my rankings are currently Plagueis. Then I put the back door. Then Rogue Squadron, <laughs> just a gamble. What are you laughing? Uh, of Bakura, and then the Kratos trap. Kratos trap is also. Why is the back door always the second option for you, Corey? Look, if I just wanted to put number two as the back door, then I don't know. It's an association that can't here. be broken. Uh, I'm curious to see where Wraith Squadron will be. Yeah, um, it's been a, a long time since I've read it. So yeah, I guess uh, just a reminder before we get into the into the questions here for anyone who drops out for those uh that our next episode we do alternate who hosts these so next episode is going to be on eckhart's ladders eckhart's ladders on the eckhart's ladder channel. youtube channel justin's youtube channel mm -hmm. uh so make sure you are subscribed to him if you're only subscribed to mine so far and uh that'll be thursday the 22nd of august we are going to be doing race squadron and we are going to have uh star wars explained as our guest our first guest Big Daddy. Big Daddy YouTube. Yep, we have... Uh, Poppy. We're going to have to make a new layout, I think. That, but Ooh. Maybe I'll just like two things. Cancelled. 
we'll we'll just give him two slots or something and then how about we just take that little hey okay first of all where where did Sheev go you know i took him away have you uh have you have you had conversation with alex before didn't you guys do a stream uh, together yeah on uh templin's charity stream me and him were both there awesome he's we're gonna have to make sure that he doesn't have uh any kind of like base cam for this because then people will get confused about which is him and which is me (laughs) yeah you guys do look pretty damn similar (laughs) um canadian star wars explained yeah i almost said my last name there that was Probably not. Good. Problem, yeah. But whatever. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna dox just for fun. Someone tried to do that before. Uh, another Empire War modder tried to dox me and threatened to put my information on Craigslist, but the information he got was for my ISP. <laughs> so didn't matter. You'd be like, no one would care. Like, are you going? <laughs> like. Like if you don't buff the lancer, I'm sending shit to your house. The people get really into that. So I swear uh, to God, Corey, if you don't if you don't add shield penetration, I'm gonna go to your house and kick you in the, the nuts. <laughs> Not the only thing that's gonna get <laughs> shield penetrated. Uh, okay, with that with that ridiculousness out of the way, let's go into a question we have. Um, Corey, who, do you know who this is from? So. Jacob, I believe. I'm going to double check. Uh, okay. So he had sort I of made three fun questions of for this last time. Wait, what? Um, I think I made fun of you for not having the name on hand last time for the email. And now I'm doing the exact same thing. Yep. Yeah, it was Sounds Jacob right. Cornwell uh, who sent us our first question here. Oh, thank you, Jacob. Uh, you guys can, if you have any questions, you can always send them to our email. That's tapcaftransmissions at gmail.com. Despite what this thumbnail says, there's not actually an E in tapcaf. Um, yeah, it's just this you. thumbnail. It's the, the stream overlay is fine. fine. Uh, when I write it, it's usually fine. But I believe you were the one that was championing the E as being part of the uh, part of Listen, the name. Let's, and, let's, let's not, okay, so let's read the then, question. Let's and then uh, who, who made the thumbnail and then sent the other person the thumbnail? Let's not shift blame, bud. I can't, uh, I can't remember who did that. What I did think, you think of? I, well, think, one... I think it was Captain Shack. Yeah, it was Captain Shack. That's yeah. right. Um, what did you think of the one potential recruit Plague has found, the one who could see the rise of the Empire through Force Visions and tried to teach people to be selfish and be willing to betray others at a moment's notice? Do you want to tackle this one, Corey? Uh, I feel like that was the one of those three that uh, I would have liked a bit more information on. We kind of mm-hmm. talked about that earlier, where the Nautilin and the Gambler were kind of pointless, but then uh, she was worth having in the book. Uh, yeah. And I was she, was, she was basically just her. there as a way to get everything right, but yeah. Yeah. Cause, so he, he kills her because he's like, the galaxy's not ready to know. But like she's willing to spread other messages, and like he allows the Shia do to survive, basically to cause havoc. I wonder why he didn't do the same with her. Yeah. Uh, did he electrocute her to death, or yeah, her? he like holds. Yeah. He's holding her hand, and he like shocks her. You definitely poop your pants if you die that way, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Let's like when Luke's getting electrocuted by Palpatine, like he definitely dropped a turd. Like, did you see the way he's writhing around on the ground there? Is this what 
you're just thinking about whenever you're reading or watching. Every time I watch Return of the Jedi, I'm like, man, he's who is defecating when? Like he's pooping his drawers right now. (laughs) What about Vader? The same thing happens to him. It happens to Vader. It probably happens to Han when he wakes, wakens from carbon freezing, and Jabba when he's choked out. Not when he wakens from carbon freezing, unless he had to go beforehand. Well, he wasn't. He was locked up for quite a while, and I bet you Vader didn't give him a chance. He wasn't digesting. Yeah, but he, he would have been in like the exact. The whole point of carbon freezing is he's in the exact same state as when Corey. He in. You don't think he grabbed a? He was just having dinner. <laughs> that with was Vader. the most like disappointed I've ever heard anyone <laughs> say my name. <laughs> Corey, what were they doing? He was having he was having dinner with Vader. They walked in thinking they were. Did they ever actually have dinner? There was a full spread. You're not going to waste that on Cloud City. You know how hard it is to get material there? Yeah, there was a, there was still the full spread when they finished, wasn't there? Full spread. No, you only see them walk in. Then he closes the door. Have you even okay, seen so we, we don't know. we don't know how much you food he ate. Fans. We don't know how much food he ate. You're, you're predicating your whole argument on... Okay, it doesn't matter. Even if he had even if he hadn't... He would, it would have been like an hour. Be, it was an hour he before... He to be locked up. Nuh-uh, because they had to wait for... Okay, they had to wait for Luke. They were torturing him. You know, you think you think Han is going to use the bathroom in the prison in it, front of Princess Leia? No. They were testing it because they wanted to know if they could use it on Luke. So they would have been waiting for Luke to test it. He was already yeah, yeah. They no, they they wait for Luke to arrive because remember they're torturing him. Okay. And he's frozen right before he gets there. So what if he went to the bathroom in prison? In front of Leia. Well, that's how prison works. Okay, next person who hoops himself would be Jabba. <laughs> because he gets choked out, and I think that's a notoriously common... Plus, he's a giant food slug. <laughs> um, I think that's mostly it. Some of the Ewoks when uh, C-3PO is being levitated. So what happens when Darth Maul is cut in half and he loses control? I already over explained this. He poops out of his nose. No, but that initial poop. Oh, well, he's the, falling. He, he doesn't poop, but his his lower body poops. Well, that's still him, I'd argue. Well, I don't know. Until he hits the ground, both halves are him. I guess so. All right. I, uh, I second question. <laughs> so we did talk about the Snapper's Way uh, yeah. earlier. And... So it, also, if anyone else has any questions, poop related or not, feel free to leave them in the comments while we go over these last two here, or in the chat while we go mm-hmm. over these last two here. And, oh, uh, um, Errol Cyrenid uh, definitely pooped himself when he hit the executor. Uh, is an explosion, does that count as a poop? I just figure you might as well if you're going in. Well, if he's splattered three seconds later everywhere, does he have the... The organs are like, can you describe what's happening to him as pooping at any point? I can, but you wouldn't understand it. So uh, what we need is for th- you to show up to the next one with a frame by frame. Listen, what you know, what you don't know is that I'm actually consulting on episode nine. So all of these questions will be handled much more neatly in the next movie. Well, we have to go through all the previous movies first to make sure we know exactly well, we'll what frames that. people are or aren't pooping in. Next episode, at the end of the next episode, we'll address episode one. All right. Just, just a hint, Sebulba, prime candidate. <laughs> well, okay. thanks for tuning uh, into the last episode of Tap Cap Transmissions, everyone. 
the FTC is somehow going to take us off the air. <laughs> that we're on YouTube and in Canada. Uh, out of all the other Rule of Two Sith mentioned, uh, Tenebris, Twilight Master, Gravid, uh, Gian, Rampage, Vectivus, Guile, which one would you have most liked to have a full novel about like Plagueis? For me, it would be Undeadu, just because his name is Undeadu, and he, well, or Andedu, but the narrator said Undeadu, and that's canon for me now, because his ability was transferring his spirit. Undeadu. So. Wasn't Dedo actually mentioned in the book? I don't. Yeah, he's mentioned on one occasion because Plagueis says he doesn't want to just be able to transfer his spirit like hmm. to a talisman right, like right. Dedo did. Uh... Uh, I guess he was. Yeah, I guess he was before Rule of Two. Um, did Vectivus even have an apprentice? He must have. I guess, but he was kind of just chilling in his bachelor. Well, not a bachelor pad, but. Because when was Vectivus? I think he would have been fairly close to. Uh, to you know what? Master. I actually don't. Yeah. Actually, he's For described me, I... as centuries before. And yeah, I'm pretty well, sure what just Lumaya been... says about him is like yeah, mostly horseshit. But. Yeah, I agree. Because she's trying to. She's lying to Jason, I think. It's like, oh, yeah, he wouldn't do any bad shit. He was cool. <laughs> Don't look over there. That's the rape dungeon. I mean, that's the meditation dungeon. Jesus. Um... I don't know. Gravid seemed kind of cool. I don't know. I, I don't really like any of them that much. <laughs> yeah, I think Gravid and his apprentice were the only ones that we got enough information of to yeah. know whether or not it would be interesting. Tenebris, we get enough information about him, like how he died. Yeah. That I'm fine with that. And then we know what his interests were. But I think yep. Gravid and uh, more Darth Gian than Gravid. Yeah, yep, I agree. She seemed she was a she, right? Gain, yeah, the apprentice. Yeah, she seemed pretty cool. There were actually a lot of Twi'lek Sith lords apparently in this period. Yeah, yeah. Orn Frita, hidden Sith. You never know; they were out there. Nah, he's way too fat. Okay. Uh, next question, we got one from Joel Davis um, in the chat. Just got here, don't know if you talked about this, but how do you feel about Plagueis being alive so close to the Phantom Menace? I have a friend who thinks it undercuts Sidious in terms of agency in the films. I don't think it really that To me, that's not important because I think it's a cool story. Besides, Sidious is still has full agency over the political side, which is basically what um, what we see in the Phantom Menace anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, like part of the point of the third section is that Plagueis is detached from all the political stuff, or not all of it, but because most of the Palpatine kind of reattached, but yeah, yeah, and that Palpatine was really the one, the driving force behind all that. So I don't, mm -hmm. I don't think it undermines or undercuts anything that Sidious was doing. I think uh, he still gets a lot of the credit for that and the stuff that uh, Plagueis is doing, is stuff that it makes sense for Plagueis to have been doing. So I'm fine with it. I just think it's kind of funny, the idea of like 10 meters off screen at every scene mm -hmm. with Palpatine in episode one that Plagueis is like standing right there. <laughs> I know. Like if you listen quick or closely, you can hear the respirator. <laughs> <laughs> shh, shh, turn that down. Shh, shh, they're talking out there. <laughs> there is a, a lot of um, in the book 
moments where like if someone was just looking in the wrong or in the right direction the whole conspiracy like if someone had looked and saw Maul and Palpatine standing out there it could have been trouble if someone looked in Plagueis' apartment well like Sage was putting on a on a light show that could have been trouble <laughs> the chat we have a question about from boomshire about the first four x-wing books proton talks are blue and race squadron books are red which is correct uh i i think it just is the model of proton torpedoes that matters there i don't think it's either one being wrong like we see them as red in the movies but they're also blue at some point in some of the editions i don't think either is wrong yeah just like turbo lasers, just could be different slightly, or one could be concussion missiles or something. Yeah, it's like the yeah. the trail. Any company could make. Oh yeah, like any company could make them, right? So. Yeah. So it can all work. Yep. Uh, another question we have: What was the Maleficent meant to be before the Clone Wars? I I'm not sure what you're referring to there. What was the what supposed to be before the, the Clone Maleficent? Wars? Maleficent? Does he mean the malevolence? I think he might mean that, but I don't know that it was meant to be anything. Before. Yeah, I don't think it had a. I don't think it's like the Death Star where it had like some sort of. Yeah. But then we have. How do you guys think Plagueis compares to Darth Tenebra, Vitiate, and Valkyrian? I never liked Valkyrian much, or Vitiate. Mm. But, um. Both have kind of the same idea of prolonging life. And he does mention Vitiate at one point as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of Sith Lords get mentioned. Malak gets mentioned. Nihilus gets mentioned. Vitiate gets mentioned. I think Nihilus. Yeah, he does get mentioned yeah. once. I think um, Nihilus and Scion both get mentioned when he's yeah. talking about like Oh, pain. right, because he's like about like ugly Sith. Yeah. Same with uh, that one from the... Uh, that was like a weird flex on Palpatine, wasn't it? Like, you're going to be ugly yeah. too. He's like, yeah, He's like, oh, will you when you become strong in the force, will you look ugly like me? I don't know, but I don't worry about it. <laughs> I think my grain bin's blown away. Uh, Nothing I can do okay. about it now. <laughs> oh, well, get some F's in chat for yep. Justin's green bin. Oh, I mean, I was walking down the street the other day, just dead ass raccoon right on the sidewalk. Nice. Nice. Well, I so I was walking back from Gatineau, just over a bridge from Ottawa, and mm-hmm. I looked up in a tree, and there was the largest raccoon I've ever seen, just staring down at me from like two feet Man, above my head to, on a bridge. That, oh, okay, that one wasn't close to me, but my, we have them because I've got like a green belt kind of behind my house, and there's like deer sometimes. And one day I just heard this screeching. I was like, "Oh my god!" There's like a child in the tree. It's like three big ass raccoons just like eyeing my dogs. You're vicious. Him. But uh, yeah, we also my cat sleeps outside, right? Mm-hmm. And the today I he like usually he'll bring mice to the house, like 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 he'll like he'll kill them and leave them on the step or whatever. Today he brought this big ass rat, man. It's like the most disgusting shit I've ever seen. This huge rat, like it had nasty old teeth, like. The cat came inside and slept for like three hours. I'm like, what's wrong with him? But I think he was just like in a full, like he was recovering his like HP. <laughs> this thing was massive. I picked him up. I got like a pooper scooper for the dog poop. Poop picked him up and just yeeted him into my neighbor's backyard. 
We've been over this. You're not allowed to use that term. Well, I've used it twice this episode. Oh, the Munificent Frigate. Oh. Um, uh, it's... Probably like a censorship or something, wasn't it? Because that's what they're always yeah. described as. Uh, communicate. I think it's usually called the Banking Clan Communications yeah. Frigate in other stuff before the name. But uh, they actually mentioned the capital class, like one of those, and it's referred to as a capital class ship. Which, wait, what did they mention? Sorry. Uh, there's a, what I assume is a munificent that's mentioned in the book. Uh, oh. That they, he calls it a capital class, which oh. I assume meant was supposed to be like its size range, as opposed to actually being called a capital class. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, a freshly minted capital class starship returned Plagueis and Hill to Naboo, manufactured by Horst Kessel and Gwori. The vessel was shaped like an elongated pod with a flat underbelly. A lateral wing transected the convex hull aft. That does sound like so it. It sounds like it's supposed to be magnificent, which means yeah. whatever section that was in. I think that was the second section. I, th- I imagine Actually, that. No, this was see, the first when I read that, I thought that was like a shuttle-sized ship. I didn't quite pick up on how big it was. Yeah, I, I think it is. Uh, it's meant to be a magnificent, and it's like 60, 67 ABY or BBY. Okay, so pretty early on. Yeah. But yeah, there's that. Cool. Anyone have anything That's... else? No. Yeah. Any other comments? This book was fun to read, but it was a it was kind of a, a good slog. Like last night, I had a lot left, so I just took my Kindle and just like went for a walk. I walked like fourteen kilometers and finished it. Well, reading? Yeah. That's like dangerous. dead at night too. Yeah. In a good neighborhood. <laughs> I didn't mean like walking into something. <laughs> Oh, mostly like sidewalks and stuff. Hmm. I don't know. But, I, yeah, I think, that, I think that's it for me. I gotta go rescue my green bin. All right. Uh, just a reminder, guys. Not next week. Week after, as always. Um, consider tuning in. And also, guys, this book is great on audiobook. Um, the narrator is phenomenal. Uh, it's really, really enjoyable. It's unabridged. I think it's about sixteen or seventeen hours long. So uh, I'd highly, highly recommend it. You can always find audible codes, no problem. So, all right. Uh, so I guess we're gonna let you go and rescue Green Ben. So, thanks for watching, everyone. And again, tune in two weeks from now for our discussion of Raid Squadron with Star Wars Explained. Bye, everyone. Yeet! Oh my God.